Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. Dude, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo across now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We are at it again. Got myself Pete and we got people on to talk about a different keyword we we've had a lot of people reaching out wanting to talk about their favorite keywords masters titles and we got another one for you today we're actually going to look at honeypot and see what is so damn good about this thing there's a lot of people that love it it's been doing pretty well in some of the competitive scenes so we're going to take a look at it today uh got joshua on from the uh, west coast what's going on joshua what up not much Glad you could come on. It's always tough getting the not tough, not as tough getting you as it is some of the English and you know Australian <laughs> dudes I've had to talk to. Um, and of course, we got Dixon on because Dixon loves him some Malifo. Oh yeah. And Dixon has been abused by Honeypot. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know how many games we played, but Wilson and I, when we were learning M3E, that's what we played. He played Honeypot, and I played uh, Pandora, and that's it. God, you both are monsters. So you are both being abused by women. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so we'll we'll get into that. It's going to be an exciting conversation. Looking forward to it. Uh, but before we get into it, make sure that you guys are checking us out on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're on Discord. And then you can also check us out on YouTube. We have some videos that are that have been put up there, but we're also going to start kind of a new video series that should be going up this week. Uh, it's just going to be general topics and discussion and just things that I've edited. Uh, we are also getting really close to having 500 subs on that. And the first time we hit 500, we'll go ahead and give away a title box or a core box of your choice. And if you haven't seen, there are some definitely cool title boxes coming out. I'm looking at you, you sexy Ulix box that's coming out here soon. <laughs> oh, my so God. Get excited. So, yeah, subscribe to that. That way you can check out these videos when we put them out. Um, and then finally, if you want to support us directly, you can definitely check us out at patreon.com slash ragequitwire where you can support us for little as a dollar. So I, I tell you what, people have been loving these episodes, been getting a lot of reach out for them. Uh, if you also are interested in talking about a keyword that you are really digging or um, a master, uh, I mean, just even a title. I mean, I've had people just like, hey, I want to talk about just this title because it's pretty good. Uh, I think a lot of people are really digging it. We've had a lot of positive responses about the last one we did with Tara. Um, a lot of people are really excited to play that crew. So it was, it was awesome to get that episode I, out. I just got to play today. Yeah. Didn't you say you got your shit pushed in by and, Tara? Uh, oh my God. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's not just the, the uh, kidnapping. Cause the kidnapping is pretty hor like horrendous. Like, I, I was like, all right, I lost a five-point model. That's fine. But that's not it. It was like, you cannot activate that model anymore. You literally yeah. have to leave him alone because, and I learned this in the middle of the game, because I thought it was, you can't activate that model. I got to activate something else. That's what I assumed, because that would be no. fair. No, it's not only do you not get to activate that model. Yeah, not only do you not get to activate that model, that model also 
I mean, that'll, that might also waste your activation. So now yeah, you it's can't wor- it's activate worse than Pandora. It's so disgusting. It is, oh my God, I was so heinous. I was so mad. And yeah, that's why I, lo- I lost because I did not realize that one thing and I didn't have a beater that could actually take out 33. Yeah, thir- and 33 is tougher to, it's tougher to kill her than you would think just because of incorporal and decent stats. So yeah, definitely a tough model. Yep, you just got to get, you know, you got to grind through those gotchas. Like, I just played Brewmaster 2 for the first time, and, like, I knew what he did. You know, I talked about him. Was not prepared for five pass tokens on turn two when I couldn't <laughs> reasonably get in range to attack him. I think it's like, and, you know, look, I could be super salty, like, oh, Brewmaster 2 is busted. And, I mean, he probably is. But, you know, realistically, you just have to build your, you have to build your repertoire of experience so you know, okay, this is how it's going to go down. I'm going to plan for this to happen. I'm going to, you know, so I should have brought guns. I brought a melee crew. I think it was a decent melee crew, but I, but it didn't work into, I go, you go. <laughs> I needed him to like, I'm a face. big fan about bitching about things just to make myself feel better. No, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like those gotchas, like a lot, what I found is, I mean, I've been super salty in the past. Like when, uh, Malva burns hit, I was like, my God, I'm going to quit. Like, this is such a, you know, like <laughs> all my old masters are invalid. I'm never going to play another OG title again. Well, I like, I wanted the game to be the way it was. Now they just p- turned everything up to like turbo mode. And yep. I was like, really like, I mean, I, you should see me. I was doom, doom casting. And you know, I mean, some of the stuff I said was totally right. But what I've really like learned over the years is that after 10 or 15 games, like, yeah, it's still powerful, but I'm better at playing into it, and I bring my crews better at playing into it. And those two things combined usually mean that I have a game worth playing, and that's all I really care about. Like, it's fine to have an uphill battle as long as I'm not sitting down being like, you know, huh, 40k style. I already lost this game because he just brought the new army, and I didn't, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I think that's definitely important to keep in mind. Like, usually when I see a new title that I don't have actual gameplay experience against. In my mind, I'm like, okay, let's try to at least keep this around a draw. I'm probably going to get caught with something that'll ca- cost me the game. Yep. Um, but we'll just try to feel it out. I mean, the the I know I've said this before, and I'll say it again. One of the main reasons why Malifaux man, you is, love being a turtle. <laughs> one of the main reasons why Malifaux is such an awesome game is with eight models, knowledge is such a powerful tool because you get that much of a depth that much of a, of a full experience so the more you know about something the more you can prepare and you can actually do different actions one of the things that i did in the game that made it so that the first model that got kidnapped got killed but the second one did not mm-hmm. was that i i actually assisted my model like i escaped the battle with like one life assisted my model back to you know not dying at one life and then I, I got him right back in with like three health. And yeah. he, he actually continued to fight and actually got me like a point or so. I still lost. I think I lost something like seven to three or seven to two, something stupidly high. But I learned a little bit more for the next match. And I'm just going to continue <laughs> doing that for the next. I'm serious. Like, oh, yeah. it's, a huge, yeah, you're totally it's a huge help to know. Okay, so. Well, because next game you're going to be like, well, I can't do that shit again. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and, it's, and it's another thing that I, I, I learned is. Titania 2 is not as good as Titania 1 in the matchup because I have a whole bunch of high 3 and high 4 models that 33 is going to have issues getting to grips with. Yeah, and I think uh, from 10 Thunder's perspective, one of the things I want to try is Mm -hmm. 
either just running Misaki into outcasts because Shang can unbury things by healing them. Yeah. Uh, or taking Misaki out of keywords so I can take Shang and just running more of a, you know, maybe probably, I would imagine I'll take uh, Obey Misaki, but I would just have to try a few different things. But I feel like as you, as you, peel back the layers you like find the tech you're like okay this this tech will be really good oh that tech wasn't that good you know or this tech not. is really good that right. tech was actually awesome yeah i mean if i like uh the dreamer the dreamer is is a fantastic model for break the line and he's a good matchup against tyra but i i i don't know i'm just not as excited about playing dreamer lately yeah i when i was playing neverborn dreamer like the idea of playing dreamer seemed cool to me but when i put him on the table mm-hmm. i d- i just didn't get like it didn't fit my play style i'm not a huge right. summoner guy anyways i like i do like a lot of these new master titles where summoning is just kind of coincidental you know it's not their main thing but you're kind of doing it like i played the new perdita which is actually the the next keyword talk we're going to do Dude, and man that good. that yeah that new perdita is pretty fucking banging it's, it is amazing it's, it's good. Yeah, well, I'm not going to spoil that because we're going to talk about that uh, next oh, week. Oh yeah. So let's go ahead and get into uh, Honeypot. So I mean, I'll just share first. I love the idea of Honeypot. I love the idea of rigging the deck. Uh, I like the models. I just love this kind of gambling, you know, kind of illuminated, kind of dark demon kind of feel to it with Huggy. Um, I mean, Huggy's the real master, but we're going to see in this new title that he's definitely the real master. So, uh, Joshua, I'm kind of curious, what do you love about the honeypot keyword? Because you went to LVO and placed really well with him. And... Yeah, yeah, I won uh, four out of five games with him, and the only one yeah. I dropped, I didn't play him. Yeah, so what do you love about the keyword? Uh, well, I mean, originally, so I actually started, I got Lynch in second ed when he was still Neverborn, dual mm-hmm. keyword. And I just love the theme. He was just such a cool looking model. Yeah. You know, I love the casino theme. Uh, I don't gamble much, but I do think it's really interesting. And playing it you know i mean dude having great cards all the time is great yeah uh i played a bunch of lynch one decided he wasn't very good i mean he's you know he's he's playable but you just have to work really hard compared to other masters and my one big lynch one experience was when i switched over to 10 thunders i was playing yoko because i was like oh this is cool i'm gonna try this well it turns out everybody in my local meta absolutely loathe yoko with the passion and burning passion of a thousand suns <laughs> nice and like i'm you know i'm i'm one of the better play i'm probably the best player in my local meta like it used to be derek but now he took time off to have a kid and stuff and oh, i just played more consistently kids. than anybody else yeah and so i was like okay you know everybody hates uh yoko they're kind of tired of asami exploding onis which <laughs> i do love um but oh, it's kind God. of powerful it's annoying yeah it's pretty good uh, especially pre Malfo Burns, it was like really, really good. Now it's just like, it's fine, you know? And so I was like, okay, I'll play. Uh, I, well, my friend was really interested in Honeypot. I was like, I'm going to paint up my Honeypot and I'm going to play, you know, Honeypot. I'm going to show Lee how it's done. And uh, so I, I was like, but I can't play a Tannin because that's just, I mean, that's going to be the same as Yoko. So I'm just going to play non Tannin Lynch and all my friends locally and we'll just, you know, they'll shoot me to death and it's fine. Well, it turns <laughs> out they actually hate non-tan and Lynch just as much as they hate Yoko. And eventually I just put them on the shelf until Malfo came out. Because I don't know, something about something about Lynch just makes people go crazy. Uh, I think it's like, it, you know, okay, here's what I like about him. He's really, really, um, in, and this is specifically about Lynch too, because I don't dislike Lynch one, but I don't like him very much. Like I want to like him, but I don't. Um, I really like about Lynch too is that you can build a really tanky crew with a wide variety of defensive rules 
Um, you get really good cards and have decent card draw. And you have a lot of different things you can do. Like you can do damage if you need to do damage. You can hand out slow and you can kind of do the, the delay thing or you can obey people and you know you can use their conditions by obeying people. You can obey them out of position. You have an incredible amount of flexibility and you have a lot of speed with double delirium auras and kitty yeah. and obeys and you know transporting things with brilliance three so you have just it's, it's like a really complete toolkit like it doesn't have absolutely everything but it has so many of the common tools that you can use to win a game yeah there there is a lot of tools i definitely noticed with it and for the purposes of this podcast because i think i think it might have been the capital city guys and i think actually another podcast did like a a faction review, not a faction, but a keyword review of Honeypot. So for the purpose of this, we're not going to go too much into specific mechanics. Obviously, there's Rig the Deck, which lets you look at the top one or two cards of the deck, and then you get to put put back whatever. So that lets you manipulate the deck. And then there's Brilliance, which is kind of this token that you put on models that can't be cleared. And you can do things with it like heal Huggy and, you know, heal other models and cause tests and do some damage. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about the brilliance mechanic? Because that's the one where I think it can be a trap. Like, I don't know if you really should be focusing on that too much with this keyword. Yeah, and uh, I don't focus on it in two. Uh, it's it's nice to have some, you know, you just kind of residually get it with, with Lynch handing it out to everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly for Huggy or sometimes to like yoink stuff to Lynch. But uh, for, for one, it's quite a bit more important just because, you know, he does a shit ton of damage and summons off of it. So, that, but, you know, for Lynch too, Brilliance is kind of just a, it's like a whatever, you know, you want it for Huggy. It's nice like for Huggy to get positives on attacks and to, hand, you know, hand out slow duels. Yeah. And to heal Huggy. And then like occasionally it's useful to eat things to Lynch, but I haven't gotten a ton of mileage out of that yet since you don't need it on Huggy to eat him. Yeah, what about you, Dixon? What do you think about the keyword since you've played against it a bunch? So the thing that I I really, really dislike is they pretty much have a 13 in their hand whenever they need it. <laughs> yeah. It seems like. I mean, it's it's seriously, it's a huge problem for me mentally. I have to like constantly remind myself it's not going to be like this all the time. You just got to like wait it out or make them cheat or whatever. Because <laughs> it's really hard. It, it's the, their stats are not like disgusting, but between Gwyneth and pretty much, you know, uh, what's his face? Um, not Tannen, the other guy. Oh my god, I forget his name. I'm Graves? blanking out. No, no, it is Tannen. It is Tannen. My apologies. Yeah, Tannen. Yeah, Tannen's yeah, the worst. Fuck Tannen. Because Tannen. <laughs> so this is the main reason why. This is the main reason why. Like, Tannen is the, be- the big. You have to kill this model as soon as you can because mm-hmm. he has betrayal. And he has Rick, uh, not Rick. Boring conversation. Boring, boring conversation. conversation yeah. Such a brutal combo. Well, no, no. But specifically, boring conversation with board of tears, which is yep. until the end of the phase, increase that the TN of the, the boring conversation by one for every brilliance token up to three. So, it, could, so it can be a TN 13 willpower as opposed to 10. Uh, yep. If you're playing, if you're playing. Uh, with the brilliance tokens, you can stack them up. I know that you said, "Oh, brilliance token is, is like not a way to play," but I saw Wilson play it fairly strongly, and he made a whole bunch of masters into hookers. But he he admitted <laughs> he admitted that 
that was actually his downfall a lot of the times is if he had used Lynch to just do that on like normal models, then it would have been better. Yeah. Because he kept trying to kill masters. He was succeeding every now and then, but whenever he failed, he used way too many resources into one model. So let me ask you guys this since we're talking about Tannen real quick, because Tannen has manipulative. Yes. So, but you want boring conversation out early. So do you think that's kind of, yes, that's good because you have boring conversation out, but can it yes. also be bad because now your manipulative has gone? No, 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 boring conversation way better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, like literally you still get, okay, so you get Mr. Tannen, but you also have to get like a, like a model that has take the hit and that's it. Literally, that's the that's the two card combo with Mister Tannen. Before, uh, Wilson used to give him stealth because yeah. ninja training <laughs> used to give you stealth regardless of whether or not you were a minion, right? Yeah. Now it only does it to minions, so you need to bring the other combo, which is Silent Protector, on a minion that has like good durability in Mister Tannen. Or I yeah, think or you can bring the new uh, Terracotta Warrior. That's what I was going to ask you. Didn't they Terracotta Warrior now has... Yeah, he, ha, he has... Yeah, he's card draw, too. And he has three health. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's... Yeah, yeah, it can only take one damage at a time. It's pretty yeah, nice. Correct. So he will he will block for Tannen three attacks. Period. And keep, keep in mind, um, you're also... When you have Tannen, you also have Delirium up. And then if you have yes. Maddox or a Beckoner, you have the uh, aura that gives them a... Um, a Brilliance token when they cheat. So correct. now you can also move them out of melee if it's a melee. You know, here's the thing is Tannen's really really good into melee yes, crews. but he becomes the linchpin of your crew in that crew i don't agree i think he wins games by himself but i i think that maybe in lynch one he's a linchpin but in lynch two he's just uh he's like an early game like he's an early game accelerator and then he right. becomes this thing if they don't deal with him and they do rely on melee no, I was, game. yeah i was specifically talking about lynch one i was not okay uh, yeah yeah, I haven't actually. Yeah, we'll, we'll get the Lynch to Lynch 2 here, here, kind of after we kind of do the general talks, right. and we'll kind of get more into Lynch too. Because I think right now, I think most people would agree he's probably the more interesting of the two. Ouch. Um, and <laughs> well, I'm just because. I, I, let me give you my elevator pitch of why I think Lynch one is not really that viable in Malfo Burns. Ooh, let's hear it. Okay, so Lynch one uh, does some great things. Um, he is really good at controlling melee crews. Because of his, you know, wombo combo of lint of uh, tannin, you have to discard. You have this, you know, TN duel, probably somewhere between ten and thirteen. You should have the crow to get it if you need it, and you're going to have to discard to cheat, and you're going to get a brilliance token when you discard to cheat, or, or sorry, when you cheat, and then you're going to take a ping, or they're going to move you out of melee, whichever is better for them, right? But the problem with Lynch one uh, is that a he's kind of slow like his crew is not that fast it's it's not the slowest like between beckoners and kitty and lynch himself and the delirium mora you can get where you need to go but they kind of struggle from terrain they don't have you know they have just uh kitty and huggy for incorporeal everybody else is just you know just slow down it out. basically everything in his crew is defense five with very little defense tech like you know, Kitty has incorporeal, Huggy has incorporeal, terrifying. That's probably the best you're going to get here. And then uh, Beckoners and Lynch have um, <laughs> don't bite the hand for negative. But as we know, negative to attack is like probably the yeah. worst form of defense. Yeah. And... Yeah, yeah, manipulative is like the worst out of like all the defensive features. And then there's you know everything else. <laughs> Right. So basically all this stuff is defense five, like seven or eight wounds, very few defensive rules, like Graves has hard to kill. 
Um, and he doesn't have a ton of range damage. Like he doesn't really have, he has like eight inch guns, 12 inch obeys, and that's about the best you're going to get. Yeah. So in a Balafoe burns world, there is tons of massive ranged damage. And if you can't get stuck in, um, you basically just die because you're a bubbly crew. It's not hard to hit multiple people at once. You know, you're, if the board is really nice to you, maybe you get to move up as a bubble, but realistically, you're going to get choke pointed. You're going to get separated to some degree. Um, you just don't have, I mean, you end, what you end up doing is you're taking, uh, you know, Lynch, like Maddox, Kitty, and probably Tannen. Graves is too much of a liability because he's defense five. Like, yeah, he gives cover, but if they move him in any way and then start hitting him, he's hitting like two or three models because he's on a 40 mil base with his black blood. So he's more of a danger to you than yeah. he is to them generally. Um, and then you can kind of like tarpet them with the pleated. It's not bad or anything, but like it just doesn't make up for the fact that people are running like Transmortis, which is all in defense five, hard to wound, armor one with more. Yeah, I, I just feel like there's also a lot of crews out there that are just like Sega Dreamcast and then they kill like half your stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, all right, wait, so so the thing is, is like it's a it's a squishy melee crew. It was kind of holding on with stealth tannin because you could force them to engage tannin. Uh -huh. And I tried it with a take the hit samurai, but it's just I don't know, it's just not the same because you most crews that are prepared for Lynch are gonna sit at that one third of the board line and just shoot the shit out of you. You're gonna have to cross two thirds Cowards. of the board to engage them. And like if you have enough to like meaningfully engage them by the time you get there, they haven't done their job right. So I think Lynch is okay. But, so do meh. do you guys feel like that most people are playing a lynch crew because they love the totem? Because that's what I feel like. Or the, I like the, the card. Theme. Yeah, I like the card mechanics, to be honest. Yeah. I like the card thing. And then, I mean, I think Huggy has to be one of the coolest totems in the game. Oh, no doubt. He's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, though. What do you think, Dixon? Do you disagree with my analysis or, like, the way I describe lynch one? Yeah. Yeah, what? I'm <laughs> sorry. No, no, I, okay, so I disagree because I've seen it. I've seen the, the blurring stuff be problematic. I'm not saying that Beckoners are like super tanky, but for a six, you know, for a five soul stone model, they are incredibly resilient for a five soul stone model because you constantly have to hit them with plus attacks. And then. On top of that, you get like a low river monk with a silent protector. Now you can substitute that with terracotta warriors and it'll probably work better. But with a low river monk with silent protector, they increase their 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 sturdiness even higher. Winif was annoying as hell. Like it was like one of the most infuriating tarpets that I've ever seen. And Kitty Dumont is so incredibly mobile and hard enough to kill that you can just start grabbing objectives. So when it comes to grabbing objectives, which is the GG2 meta, I think that they're very well, you know, equipped. That being said, Jacob is kind of slow. So you kind of have to like move him around somehow. Yeah, I mean, I'm not good. Obviously, I've only played a handful of games with uh, with Lynch one, mm -hmm. but I found that since I didn't know the crew that well and I was kind of feeling it out, yes. the games that I played, I usually got caught on my half of the table and wasn't able to advance my, you know, my game to score important points. Um, so I do think, especially for a newer player coming into playing Lynch and kind of the slowness and kind of wanting to somewhat be a bubble, 
I do think that was something that I struggled with when I first started playing the crew. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Dixon. I agree. Uh, only that the thing is what I think I don't like to like take the hit is the best ability I never want to use, especially in Lynch, because in Lynch, every single card slot is extremely important because it's probably going to be a, a 10 through 13 at some point. Correct. And so I will take and it's kind of why I never really pursued the samurai take the hit because I was using samurai take the hit with Tannen for a little while after the stealth nerfs. But the thing is, is like I can use those card slots like, yeah, you can rig good cards on the top of the deck and get work done and it's mm -hmm. not bad. But I really like having hands full of severes and then funneling them all through one model and just killing whatever I want to kill and being like, hey, what are you going to do about it? So it's I like mean, I really prefer to play like take the hits fine. It's yes. a good ability, but I try not to play with it. I, I understand that, but is this enough card draw that you can actually bring into the crew? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Like, I think Timmenders has good card draw, but it's very expensive. True. Oh, well, except yeah. for Tower Card Warrior. And Gwyneth. Like those are the only two that yeah, are like. I take Gwyneth all the time. Yeah, Gwyneth is incredible, and in the Terra Card Water, you're having Nefarious Pack. Like that's what I said. It's like Nefarious Pack makes it like even better because that means your hand effectively becomes eight cards. I, yeah, I, I actually really do good. think that Terracotta Warrior is maybe the one, like, the the thing is, I don't like take the hit because you're already mm -hmm. spending two, I try not to take upgrades, first of all. I like them, they're good right. in theory, and obviously some factions, like Ancient Pact, they take double Ancient Pact all the time, but right. for 10 Thunders upgrades specifically, two stones mm -hmm. is a big cost, especially now you're talking about two stones plus cards to take right. the hit. It's like, it ends up just being so expensive. I really like the Terracotta Warrior because, you know, I'm cheap. not paying super uh, you know like two stones just to get just so i can discard some cards you know yep so i'm i'm really liking i know a lot of people don't like him but i'm i'm all in no no he's i i honestly think that terracotta warrior is a buff to lynch because it effectively opened up like okay so now i get to draw two cards with these models that are actually very helpful because they buy me three attacks and that's if you hit them because you might have to cheat Right. Although yeah. I want to say, uh, old Terracotta Warrior was definitely better for Lynch 2, but the new Terracotta Warrior is good for Lynch 2. That is also true. I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that you miss, just like I missed the Changeling, because the Changeling, they, right. they shot him, yeah, they shot him in the in the head and behind the sheds, and then brought another guy out and said, this guy's Changeling now. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, they, they, they did the exact same thing with a Terracotta Warrior. And I'm like, your Terracotta Warrior seems like, he's like this you know, secret agent that they just like killed off this other model and then brought in something else that's like good but not like the greatest thing. My guy was just like some random hobo. They put a jacket on him. It was like, here you go. <laughs> so, so Dixon, let me ask you this because this is a list that I actually got from uh, Man, what's up? from from your boy Wilson. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is a Jacob Lynch one list. So just tell me what you think about it and. You probably have experience actually playing against this list, Dixon, so you can share with us some horror stories on that. But oh yeah, I'm gonna have he gave me a, he, flashbacks. Yeah, he gave me a list where it was obviously Lynch and, and Huggy. Yes. But then it was Mr. Tannen, the Shadow Emissary, Kabuki oh, Warrior, Gwyneth Maddox, Illuminated with Silent Protector. Oh my God, that's some new tech that he's bringing in. <laughs> yeah, I can see what he's doing. Yeah, 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 Kabuki Warrior and then the Illuminated with Silent Protectors are a pretty decent combo, although they're at the end of the day, they're still both like eight wound defense five models. I'm just curious rough, how man. the how the emissary works with that. He has emissary is good. Yeah, yeah concealing have... and you have healing. Yep. That's on the that's... RAM. And you get to feel like you're playing Dragon Ball Z, so that's cool. 
Right. Well, yeah, he's really good with Lynch because you can, I mean, again, it depends on how much you're taking the hit. Take the hit is such an interesting ability in Lynch because discarding cards is a big deal and it's not a good deal. But the emissary's uh, bonus action to put your hand on bottom and then draw more cards can be really, it's really weird in Lynch, right? Because you can, you can totally rig all your good cards on the top and just get work done. And then right. just have a handful of stuff that's bad, and you just discard that for take the hit. It's totally a valid way to play Lynch. Right. You don't have as much control as you do when you're when you're stacking your hand and then funneling it through a single model. But uh, and then the so the dragon can you know say they're just like okay, I'm not going to bother this guy's taking the hit too much, or your take the hit model dies. The dragon's really good for cycling your hand when it's not what you want it to be. Sometimes in the beginning of the turn, you will have a really bad hand. Like in multiple times in the tournament in LVO, I had a hand of like nothing over a seven, and like I'm bringing two stones in my normal list, so I don't want a stone. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're just going to have to wait it out and get some cards yep. here. It's going to happen eventually. That that is uh that's a moment when that shit happened that uh, Gwyneth immediately would activate. I, I remember that vividly. It's like Wilson would tell me, I was like, well, time to activate Gwyneth. I was like, you have a shit hand, don't you? And he's like, yes. <laughs> I don't like doing that though because I really like to use her as card draw. Oh yeah, not no. just card cycle. I don't disagree, but like he would fix his hand that way. Like literally yeah. either that or activate Lynch because they both have rigged the deck either. Well, Lynch is a two, but she has a three. So, so she's got yeah, quite a few. Yeah, three, you get to like team. design. Well, one I, I think that's actually kind of interesting, and I'm kind of curious to see what you think. Well, how you use that in game, Joshua. So, for somebody who hasn't played a lot of or any for the listeners of Lynch, how do you really utilize and take advantage of that rig the deck ability? So, I mean, some models only have one, some have two, and then the very few have three, where you can look at the card either the first, second, and third card of the top of your deck. And then you can put back any cards on top, whether it's one, two, or three. So how do you use that in-game to really take advantage and use it to its best ability? Well, so I'm hyper-focused on efficiency, which is one of the reasons I really like Lynch. So it depends on what model I'm using. But a lot of times, there's there's basically three ways I'm doing it. First of all, it's pseudo-card draw. I'm just get, looking for cards I want to use for other models and get them in my hand. So, you know, 13 of Rams, right? Crit Strike is nice. Um, nice. Or Red Joker, you know? Uh, or 11s. 11s are great because I want to cheat severe damage. And it's like 11 is the best card to cheat severe damage with. So then the, n the next thing is TNs. Kitty has target number six is on a Reaching Trent Tendrils. Uh, Tannen has target number six on his Boring Conversation. Lynch has target numbers five and six uh, for his for the, the pull and the heal. And also his bonus action is a five. Um, and uh, those are the ones I'm primarily using right now. But then, uh, you know, Lower Vermonk, I like Lower Vermonks are really good. They have target number six on their heel. And then on a Tome, you can get focus. So I'm looking for suits. Um, I'm looking for suits for specific suited actions. Lynch gives out healing and a ram and uh, uh, brilliance to friendlies on a ram. Um, so there's a bunch, depending on what you're bringing. So are you more fishing then for, are you fishing for the cards and the suits to then put into your hand? Is that what you're doing? Sort of. Well, both. If it's Kitty's activation, I'm putting sixes and and low card. And then if one, hold on. So the third thing I'm doing is I'm burning bad cards out of my deck. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, sometimes if I really need to get two models off the board, Kitty goes. I take up you know two whatever cards. I put down two sixes or sevens, and I put, and then I just tendrils two things. They're both there, right? So because then I get that's very very efficient. But sometimes I have a bad hand. I put down a seven and a one, and then I reaching tendrils them through Kitty. And so then, you know, they she gets the target number, then they fail the, the Brilliance duel, gain Brilliance, move two extra inches. 
Or I have a really bad hand. I just put two hand cards on the top and I just walk through two people or like three people or whatever with Kitty. <laughs> and then they yeah, all fail. Does. They get a brilliance. I get two yeah. inches from each of them and Kitty moved. So yeah, it kind of depends. Way. It's dynamic depending on what stage of the game we're in, what I need to do and what's in my hand. But I was gonna ask, like... I'll often charge my own models too. Uh, if I have like a one, I'll just charge my own model. I flip the attack, flip first. I flip the defense, flip second, and they usually miss. I was going to ask you because uh, uh, normally I think that that would happen was Gwyneth would, you know, oh I I am down to two cards in hand or one or you know three cards in hand. Gwyneth activates. Uh, look at the top three. Look at my hand. Put a low crow. Charge yep. Kitty or <laughs> charge Huggy. Yep. Did you charge Kitty or charge Huggy? Oh look, it happens to be a crow. I discard this garbage card in my hand. Draw two. It's like, better to charge Huggy though, because Kitty always has brilliance. You're gonna do three, four, five to her. No, because well, yes, you're right, but it, you can mitigate some of that damage. Like it, you don't care. Sometimes it's like, oh, okay, so I have this much. Uh, how much do I really care about her taking one damage or two? Because uh, you don't charge Kitty right off the bat. You charge Kitty whenever she has like one or two left, anyway. I usually just I play the mini game in the beginning of just keeping brilliance off of Huggy by uh, you can either just not have him within six inches of Lynch when he pulls or you can take it off with Kitty's bonus action and move five inches toward him nice. and then Gwyneth is literally doing one two three to him and then usually doing you know zero one two. Well, because well, you like look at the top three. Huh? <laughs> so I don't like either one of you because Deja Vu oh, is a trigger that we just lost. It's in so good. Bro, I, 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 this, this is why I bring Gwyneth. I bring Gwyneth for Deja Vu, for and her bonus action, jackpot. and for the six inches of... Uh, Come play it, at my table. Fuck my no, life. No, that one is actually that's, it's situationally good. No, the six inch cheat aura to give brilliance because oh, okay. it's like one of the only ways that I really... like. I give brilliance, but not that much. So I yeah. found Gwyneth is really good for that. Yeah, And Luck Thief actually keeps her alive. So okay, so about well. Luck Thief. In Lynch 1, I didn't like Luck Thief because this is exactly what happened every game. I'd be like, okay, Gwyneth, she's she's my ace in the hole. And then I'd put her <laughs> forward and be like, oh, she's defense 5. And they would just literally use all their high cards to kill Gwyneth. It's not worth stoning because she has no armor, no healing. I mean, yeah. Lynch should heal for like 1. Okay. And then over the course of 2 turns, she just dies. And I'm like, I don't want to stone for this. It's fucking defense 5. Really? Um, yeah, I don't. I really don't. I found Luck Thief was almost a non-rule because there was never a time when they were willing to attack Gwyneth where they weren't guaranteed to hit her. In Lynch 2, that changes because I should be like, hey, you hit me for six. Cool, I'll heal her for six. All right, now we're back to parity. You know, back to parity. And now, and it's like, you know, I can. I, she's worth stoning for because I can heal her so efficiently. She's worth cheating cards for because I am going to outpressure their hand at some point most of the time. And if you ever attack me and heal me for two instead of hitting me for three, that's like a five wound swing, and it's like super bad for you. But in Lynch one, I found Gwyneth always died. She just always died. Wow, that's a completely different experience that I've had. She's one of the tanky. That and Kitty are two of the. Dude, you're playing Pandora. Models. You should be able to hit her like seven different ways without actually targeting her. I mean, yeah, but it wasn't like, like I could not dis directly target her or pretty much Kitty. I had to like, all right, you put something on her, take it. You put something on that other person, take it. That's the kind of thing, and control the board enough for me to get points. But it was problematic. Keep in mind, though, the difference between Willpower 5 and or Willpower 6 and Defense 5 is also a big deal. Like, if you're attacking her almost exclusively on Willpower, she's a lot better. Yeah. But when you only have to tie her to do min damage, and she's got no dim damage mitigation at all, like, it's not, you know, it's not hard to kill her. You can kill her. I mean, even if I'm stoning, you're probably going to kill her in five hits. 
and that means you need five good cards in two turns. Okay. I, you know, maybe my opponents are just bloodthirstier, or maybe they just focus Gwyneth because they hate they her. They really know, hate that model. I think I was also just sending her out front because I was like, this is the tankiest thing I have. And kept <laughs> expecting Luxief to do something. And if you don't... If, Save if, you, Jesus. Like, if you can't <laughs> cheat over yeah. them, and you can't uh, heal her, her, you know... I also wasn't taking Low River Monks uh, back then. I just, I don't know if I just didn't think about it or it wasn't, you know. Well, what does a Low River Monk do for you? Heals Astons. Okay. <laughs> the guy's got, you, you turn one, he gets chi plus one, focuses for chi plus one. You need a six of Rams. And then so turn three, he gets chi plus one for activating, walks and heals for four, five, six. Seems pretty good. <laughs> and he also gives things plus one healing when they activate within three, which not as relevant, but. It is funny how sometimes when you play a crew and then you add a model you just hadn't thought about before, how it can really turn some things on for you. Yeah. The problem, though, even even with the Lord of Monk, it's like because the crew generally ha you are the burden of crossing the gap is on you. Like you don't have any guns. You don't have I mean, I guess you have lures with beckoners. I don't like lures because they're kind of garbage without focus. And I don't like using focus on non-damaging attacks. Like I'll do it if I have to. Yeah, it's not really what I want to be doing with my I don't I don't take beckoners. <laughs> I'm yeah, a weird I feel you because I mean, the only lure I like is on Trixie Bell, but her lure is a seven stat. So that helps get around a lot of things. Yeah. Um, besides that, I'm not big on lures, but that's definitely one model where I'm like, plus hers is a little little versatile because you can actually make them go away or come closer so right in a lot of different situations the thing is beckoners are actually really good i just don't take them it's not that like i have taken them they really help your unpack their lure has a built-in mask for either they reposition or you gain them brilliance tokens which will let you reposition them mm -hmm. and on a tome you can bring them really far if they have brilliance tokens i just don't like beckoners because at the end of the day most they get one-shotted by most things that can one-shot <laughs> things and but there's some sexy models, man. Yeah, no, they're they're cool, but they're just really squishy, and they just end up. I just end up like mid game. They don't do anything. They just like sit there and be like, "Man, I wish I had more focus so I could do stuff." I mean, they fire points and they give you brilliance automatically, and they give more brilliance as the game goes on. Like they're five points. They're. Just... I know, I know. I'm saying it, might, it, might, be a, it might be a playstyle thing, though. I mean, yeah, it is. I, I I've talked to a couple of my buddies over in texas and and i mean a lot of those guys are very heavy model meaning like they don't like the cheaper models um because they feel like they just die and they don't get their points worth out of them and that's fine i mean i like cheap models i play a lot of cheap bayou shit so <laughs> you don't have a choice though I, I mean you i mean you can in bayou I but know, the cheap stuff is super good though <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I do think brilliance uh, beckoners are good. I just don't. I have not traditionally played them because in the mid game, they just kind of sit around and like there's too much concealment for them to do much. Uh, we used to have play with really heavy boards. And the other thing is, my main opponent for many like for the last five years has been like a hardcore alpha striker who played like Kirai, like Vix and Lilith and in, in uh, Tui, and had they don't hang around Tui. well with that. Yeah, they just die. <laughs> so I think that my my outlook on them is like really biased by you know, what I've played them into. And then the other thing is that I never really struggled with the unpack all that much. Like the, the thing they do best for you is they make the unpack really easy because their lure is excellent. And Despicable Promises is actually quite a good action too. Well, I think we got a good feel for the crew. So I do want to focus the rest of this pretty much on Lynch 2 with Dark Debt or Dark Bet um, because I know you finished really well with him and actually... Um, 
I mean, Landon pretty much, I think he only played Jacob Lynch. He might have dropped one round something different, but he pretty much soloed Jacob Lynch dark bet. So I do want to focus on that because I do feel like it, it's a really solid title and it does a lot of cool things that I think a lot of people are interested in. Okay, so my core is always the same. It's always uh, Lynch, Huggy, Maddox, uh, Kitty, and Tannen. And this is a really good core because, so, okay, I'm doing specific things with all of them in, in the early turns, which is, I think, kind of what a core is about to me. It's like, how, yeah. how are you going to start the game rolling? Um, so Lynch usually goes early, uh, especially if I've got a ram. I'm trying to get some brilliance tokens out so that I can either eat things later, uh, you know, pull them with his, his uh, action that does that, or to heal with Huggy. Um, Maddox is almost always charging Huggy, and I'm looking for double deja vu. So the way I use Maddox is I do, she's a really good beater in the late game, but really I'm just using her to build my hand in the early game mm -hmm. and be up front so that if they do come into me and start cheating, they get, they get brilliance for their trouble. And so I'm rigging the crow and rigging weak damage so she doesn't, and uh, yeah, making sure Huggy doesn't have any brilliance by the time she's charging him. I mean, if he has a couple, it doesn't matter. He's going to heal for free, but um, so I rig a crow, you know, do some weak damage, um, discard some cards. And then I'll do a bonus, hoping that I can get some more cards to discard. And uh, and for that specific purpose, I usually go kind of late with Gwyneth, both because I want to use cards for either target numbers or discard effects or whatever else, because I really want to I want to go with her when I have about three severes and a bad card in hand is what I'm looking for. Because, you know, Deja Vu is good, but when you have as much hand manipulation as Lynch does, it's easy to get into a situation where you're like, wow, I have like 13, 13, Red Joker, 10. I don't want to discard any of this. <laughs> I guess I'm going to discard this 10 and just hope that I get two cards worth it. Draw but it's like if you don't, <laughs> yeah, but then if you don't, you can't Deja Vu again. And the yeah. other thing is if you want to Deja Vu a second time, you can't rig it. So you might have to cheat it. So you have to kind of plan ahead like... Is it worth, you know, I want to sculpt my hand. Do I have the kind of hand where I can sculpt it and end up discarding two cards and cheating a third card to draw four? Is that worth it to me? Yeah. So sometimes I'll go with her earlier if if I've got two low crows. I'm like, okay, this is a good time for Gwyneth. Her bonus action's a little bit controversial. I think I can understand why, like Land, uh, Landon doesn't take Gwyneth at all, I don't think. I don't know if he does now, but I know in one he didn't at all. And I think part of it he said he she takes too much support like getting brilliance out on stuff is too difficult to justify a nine stone model which i don't find is too problematic between huggy obeys and them just wanting to cheat when they're around gwyneth because i keep her kind of centrally located yeah i don't find that to be too much trouble her bonus is inconsistent but you got like a 75 percent shot at drawing you know two out of three cards and that's a really, really good ability with no target number, no nothing. Yeah. So I, I find it worth it, even though, you know, yeah, you could make the argument that in a top tier tournament table game, if you just got unlucky and failed like three or four turns in a row, <laughs> you could be giving your opponent the game because a good player is going to abuse that card well, draw pretty hard. I, I mean, if you listen to the show, you know, I'm I'm more of a, a feels kind of guy. So I'm more about the I mean, it, it's it's fun to have mini games inside of the game, even if you are playing like top table. Right, totally. Um, and then her Derringer, I don't use that much. It is good, and Draw Out Secrets will occasionally win you some games. Um, and then having built-in Brilliance Generation is, is going to be really good sometimes. And Come Play at My Table is a really good ability. I don't use it that much. I almost always am either focusing, walking, or charging, or hitting my own stuff, or hitting their stuff. The fact that her, uh, her stat 6 Card Shark hits Willpower is great. A lot of stuff doesn't have great Willpower. 
and a lot of the rest of the crew that I run does attack defense. So I really value that. Um, and then I always forget about her trigger, her defensive trigger unimpressed, but it is actually really good because, yeah. uh, you know, you can, it makes it a lot harder for them to use some of those really good triggers to kill her faster. Yeah. In Lynch I, too, she's a, a lot better just because you can heal her up so much uh, that Luck Thief becomes this really, really hard wall to get past. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of curious because we did talk about Tannen, but I'm actually more curious to see how you like to use Kitty because I think one, the model's really interesting and two, there's a lot of cool things going on with her card. So I was just wondering how you use that in your kind of core crew. Yeah, Kitty is amazing. Actually, so Gwyneth didn't used to be part of the core. It used to be just Kitty and, and Tan. And my friend kept mm -hmm. trying to convince me, like, I oh, probably don't need Kitty. I'm like, no, Kitty is the is probably the, you could say she's the best model in the crew. And I think if people are frustrated with Lynch, kill Kitty and Tannen. Like that's the, the <laughs> sort of the moral of the stories. Like people always go after, those you know, whatever things, but Kitty and Tannen are the easiest things to kill in the crew. And they're the most what? important in a lot of different situations. I agree with Tannen, but not Kitty. She has, Dude, Kitty's she has incorporeal power five incorporeal. And, and soul stones and yeah. movement shenanigans. And once she activates, she just disappears. I mean, I guess that's fair. I, I think that's still easier to deal with than, I mean, obviously it's, easy, it's she's easier to kill than Huggy. And I think that also true. you could make the argument that Lynch <laughs> and Gwyneth are easier to kill, but I, I don't necessarily, I think Lynch is easier to kill. Because well, I don't know. Himself. I don't know about you two, but if, if I'm playing against somebody and I put enough pressure for them to reposition a model and move it away, that's almost as good as killing it because you're getting it out of where it's probably more relevant. Well, I that's mean, not true with Kitty, though, because Kitty exactly. loves going out on the flanks and scoring. Oh, so. does she? Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, so here, Kitty goes to a place, scores a point, leaves, does something else on the other side of the, of the table. She just, she's highly mobile, and she is incorporeal, and yada, yada. Like, she, she's good. She's really, really okay, good. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so Kitty's super good. So I use her for a lot of different things. The best, the things I use her for most commonly are reaching tendrils, brilliant saturation, which is when stuff moves through her, it takes a TN13 move duel or gains a brilliance token and then her two bonus actions. I occasionally will attack with the Unassuming Demeanor. I usually forget that she has Draw Essence and haven't used it that much, but it is good. Um, but mostly it's it's to reposition my other things or move her. Um, in the early game, I'm putting her up in like the front of my squad so that I have the option of walking through her. And this is really important because I take a lot of out of keyword stuff with Lynch because obviously having a, bot a lot of card draw makes him good with just whatever you want to bring, right? You can just, if it's an enforcer, it needs a suit, you can probably get it. If it's got a good damage track, it wants to cheat damage, you can probably do that. You know, if it has high target numbers, you can probably make those happen. So he's really, really good with versatiles and out of keyword. And but the problem with first thousand out of keywords is they can't necessarily take advantage of the double uh, delirium aura to get the extra three inches of four inches of movement. Which when you think about four inches of movement on your entire crew potentially, that is like kind of absolute madness. And it could be <laughs> like it could be four inches on it could be like eight inches on one thing and four inches on a bunch of other stuff, you know. So but between Jacob Lynch's end of activation auto fail brilliance. Uh, thing if you're within six of him and moving through kitty and either rigging cards from the activation before or more likely just you know hoping for bad cards uh, you can still get to brilliance on friendlies um in the, you know while you're unpacking which is where it's most important okay then i like to keep her so the, then she's mostly a scoring piece obviously she can do some work but really 
you want to keep her safe because she is a really, really good, you know, target for them to kill if they can. And she's really good at being safe because she can for free discard a card to push five inches incorporeal towards something. Or she can discard Brilliance Token to drop a scheme marker. So she's really good at detonate, really, really good at breakthrough. She's really good at uh, deathbeds. You know, anything where you need to just go be like, hey, surprise, scheme marker. Wouldn't that be cool if I did that? Um, so that's really good. And then I tend to keep her a little bit centrally located in the early game because... Uh, so I want to walk through her turn one. But then I also want to do... Like, you can do cool stuff like... I like taking a rail worker sometimes. A rail worker's kind of slow. So you can charge through Kitty. You finish the charge. You flip your card. You either cheat or flip a low card. Then you get an extra two inches on the charge before you attack because you get a brilliance token. So it's really nice to keep her in the middle of, like in the back of, you know, in the middle of the back line so that your models have the option to walk through her while they're on the way to do some work. You can get a couple of inches extra movement that way. All right. So we kind of got a good idea then of what your core crew is doing. So. Yeah, and what then, you, okay, Tannen. Tannen is there. I mean, do we really have to? I mean, is he really doing anything else besides being a pain in the ass? I mean, can can I just say that? <laughs> right. I mean, I, I actually think the way you use him, Tannen, is really important, though, because he is relatively easy to kill, especially if they get him before, it, well, either from outside of six or before. Uh, yeah, Holy outside shit, of six. He's basically. only six stones. Yeah, he's only six stones. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not even like the, the, Yes, he's only six stones. But once he activates, sometimes like hell hath no fear. Like a fucking tiny little dude with glasses. Like it is insane how how hard the game becomes once he activates first. And the thing is, you gotta really pick pick your battles with Tannen because if you put him in at the wrong time, he will literally like like if they can kill him in one activation, they certainly will, and if and it will be worth it. Um, I usually commit him like usually I end up usually committing him turn three because that's when it's like everything's engaged; they don't have freedom of movement. Some of the important activations do. Yeah, like sometimes turn two if it's good. But a lot of times turn three is, and then and basically I really try really hard to hide Tannen. He is height one. He can hide behind terrain. He can hide behind models. So it's really important that you want to keep him in a place where, here's the challenge with Tannen. You want to keep him in a place where if they dive you, they're going to have to deal with his betrayal aura, but they can't just trivially pick him off. So I'm usually, and I do a lot of stuff with Tannen, like flipping turf war markers. He carries my stone a lot. He's kind of like that. His bonus action is really the only thing that matters. Most of the time, I almost never take any like real actions with him um, other than focusing for extra Yeah, just cards using it to set up scoring seems pretty good, though. Yeah, exactly. And rig the deck, yeah. Yeah, and that, that delirium. All right, yeah. Okay, that's the core crew. <laughs> so now that we got that core crew. Okay, what is this new dark bet doing that really kind of turns on this crew where you really like them and they're really solid? <laughs> Weirdly, not that much. I mean, mostly it's the second Delirium Aura for extra movement. And Looming Eclipse is like really, really good. Um, remove up to, you know, what's per turn, remove up to three billions tokens from him. And for each brilliance token removed, you can choose a friendly honeypot model to heal to and gain a brilliance token. Yeah, so, and I think before we kind of keep going into that, with that double Delirium Aura, so I, I know that what you're saying, but some people might misconstrue that. And since it says once per activation, if somebody does that to get the trigger to then move two inches, you can't do, you can't take it in the same instance, but you can trigger it twice in the turn because two models have the once per activation up. Right, because Tannen so has you can it trigger, as well. Yeah, you can trigger it once off Tannen, next action, you can then trigger it again off of Jacob. Yeah, 
so I play a lot of Pandora. This is Misery with another name. Yeah. yeah. And it's not just that activation. It's every single time you put brilliance on stuff. And Huggy is a fucking monster at putting brilliance as well. As he's beating the ever-living crap out of you and removing brilliance as well. No, this is once per activation, though. Yeah. Do it during their activation. You can do it during other models' activations. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. is Pandora once per turn? No, she's no, once no. Yeah, per she's activation as well. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, you can do yeah, it every single activation. Misery. Yep, totally. Yeah, it's, it's Misery with another name. And it's very, very dangerous because uh, you can either move or do damage. So sometimes you don't even need to move them. So you just keep pinging them to death by putting Brilliance on them. Right. And it's really dangerous to melee crews because getting moved out of melee, it's like, you know, inverse butterfly jump. I mean, we know, you know, misery is a normal, normal ability. It's really good. Yes. Yeah. And the fact that, well, of course, in, in Honeypot, it's different because every time you cheat around Tannen, you're going to have to discard a card. And if Gwyneth is around, which she should be, if you're playing it right, ideally anyway, then you're also going to gain brilliance. So it's not like, I don't have to remove the stun from you to give you another stunned. I just give you brilliance, <laughs> you know? The other thing that Lynch, Lynch is, is weird because Lynch is actually doing almost the exact same stuff that other Lynch does, except that he heals instead of summons and damn it, he, you know, instead of doing like having the nuke. But his melee attack is really good, right? Stat six, two, three, five with a built-in trigger for plus one damage. I mean, I often, if I don't need to be super fast, I'll often walk, drag Huggy along and then focus because focused Lynch attack will kill a lot of stuff. And then, uh, yeah, just getting Huggy up the board before he activates. And then, of course, giving Huggy Demise. Because I always used to spend two stones on Hard to Kill for Huggy, which is really good. But, man, two stones is a lot of stones. I mean, and... it's, it's just kind of funny that Lynch becoming a, uh, what is it called? The, the brilliant guy, the, the beaters, the minions, what is it called? Oh, the Illuminated. Yeah, that's basically what he did. He became an Illuminated. Yeah. And that's it. He gained their attack. It's like a mix between a depleted and an illuminated. And it's hilarious to watch him just like kind of turn into this monstrosity. Yeah. So what's the upgrade do for the new Huggy? Uh, it just says that he gets, he becomes the leader. He gets three AP. Uh, he becomes a master, which means he can't be obeyed, which is cool because you bring in two masters against the Rada. Um, and then once per turn, you can, you can place him in base contact with friendly Jacob Lynch and heal X and, Jacob suffers that much X, where X is the number of brilliance tokens. I was playing that as you remove the brilliance tokens. I misread that until like last <laughs> game. So that's also an interesting thing that I just was like, wait a minute, that doesn't work that way. Yeah, Lynch is just really interesting because there's a lot of like stuff you can do with him. Like dragged into the dark is a hungry, friendly, hungering darkness, or any model with three or more brilliance tokens, which means you can eat people, you can drag your enemies in, you can drag out of keyword friendlies in. Looming Eclipse is really cool because. You can not only heal, but like, for example, um, one thing I haven't played extensively, because I've only got like 30 games and I haven't had that much time to explore, but uh, with Graves, if you hit Graves with three of those, you do three black blood pings and you, oh, well, sorry, sorry, for two of them, you can, um, he'll gain two brilliance. And if he's in both Delirium Wars, you can ping him for two. So then you could do get two black blood uh, pings off and he'll heal for, you know, either two or four, depending on how many times you healed him. Um, so that's kind of interesting. You can reposition two models uh, in your crew. You mm -hmm. can, you know, and, and he's he's got, like, he's just really, really supportive now. Like, he can still do some work, but he's mostly supportive. And he still defends five willpower four. Like, yeah, he has luck thief, but if you put him out there too far at the wrong time, like, he's going to get punked. Like, he just is. Yeah. 
And there's nothing that heals him except for his one ping. So you're either bringing healing, like for a long time I was bringing, bringing um, Low River Monk Sensei Yu Fuhatsu. I do still think it's a pretty good list. Um, because he doesn't heal himself. And so he is actually fairly vulnerable because you do want him to be alive for Huggy to reform near. And he, you know, I mean, get me, don't get me wrong, one ping healing is good, but it's not going to save you from a concerted assault. <laughs> yeah, I do like how he has Luck Thief to help defend. And he, I also like that he just, when he when you start the game, he just gives five brilliance tokens out. out um, well, to him, to him. To him, yeah. Yeah. And then you can give them to your crew if you want to. Really good on Kitty because you always want to have more than two brilliance on her just because she does use them up mm-hmm. by scoring. The other thing is his uh, his bonus is very similar to the other Lynch's in that um, it has the you know friendly model scan of brilliance, the heal one. But it's interestingly different, and I always forget it. But uh, it's interestingly different because every model that ends their activation within six has to take a tool, uh, duel or gain a, a brilliance, and friendlies can fail. So I use that a lot, although I still forget about it a fair amount. But yeah. what's interesting is that it means that he, because he has a delirium aura, it means he can hit enemy. Because the old Lynch, everybody tests at once, and you'd only be able to hit one person with delirium. But in the new Lynch, every time they fail that end of activation duel, you'll be able to hit them with, with delirium. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's yeah. really good. Wow. Except I always forget it, so it's never relevant. <laughs> yeah, and that's just, you know, it, it's one of those things where there's still some masters where I know there's certain things that are good, and I just forget to do them almost every time. Um, Especially in this crew where there's so much going on. There is a lot. So that was a list that basically when, when Malifaux Burns hit, I freaked out. I was playing 10 Thunders. I was like, man, answer factions blow in the Wild West because you have no idea what you're going up against. And I was preparing for LVO. Like, that. I just started preparing for LVO. I was like, that was my doom and gloom. I was going to quit the game. Everything's terrible. Um, and so I almost I almost just didn't play 10 Thunders for LVO because I normally play, like, Yoko and Asami. Well, Asami 2 is kind of like, meh. Asami yeah. 1 is better with Lady Yume, but... Yoko 2 is cool, don't get me wrong, but I eventually found Lynch again. I was like, wow, this seems really good. This seems like a big question. And so I was <laughs> playing uh, Lynch 2 with Fuhatsu, Sensei Yu, and Lower for Monk, and two stones, because Fuhatsu was more expensive back then. This is a really, really good list, because basically the whole point of the list is to draw ass tons of cards. You know, Sensei Yu is r- routinely going to draw you four discard two. Gwyneth, he's really good with Gwyneth because he gives all Gwyneth all the you know all the low crows and discard fodder that she needs to do double deja vu. So I was, and then you're also attacking your own models a lot, so you're going through a huge portion of your deck. So I would very routinely get to the end of my deck by turn one, and I would find the Black Joker before Fuhatsu started shooting. And Fuhatsu's getting six inches from Kitty's tendrils and probably four inches from Brilliance pulses or Brilliance tokens. And, you know, he's getting double focused from the lower of a monk because I have enough card draw to find all those moderate tomes and give him double focus. Yeah. And then I'm just shooting and cheating 13s of rams, you know, stoning for the extra ram, doing a 468 damage track. I got rapid fire and Huggy can obey him to either shoot again or focus again. Like, it's it was gross, man. Like, it didn't work on every map. It doesn't work on every opponent. But, like... And, like, you know, the Vassal maps are fucking insane. It doesn't work that well in Vassal <laughs> because they have, like, a metric ass ton of terrain. Yes. But, um... <laughs> Dude, no, but... like, seriously, that's actually a huge, huge boon because of that. Because, like, Fuhatsu being a plus on attack is just ridiculous. He's just like, oh, uh, concealment <laughs> everywhere? Good for you, but that's not... Fun. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I am. I like the Vassal maps. I don't... 
I what I my problem with the vassal maps is that a lot of models are just not relevant. It's like this, like like the it just it, I think it artificially skews the game towards models that ignore terrain, and I think that it's a big issue in Malifaux where models that ignore terrain are too powerful. Mm. They need to, there needs to be less terrain ignoring because they just crowd out models that don't ignore terrain. I think unless you know depending on the boards, but vassal boards are pretty. All you vassal warriors out there, Dixon's always looking for a game. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the, uh, the, the thing about the uh, terrain ignoring is uh, I think those models should be like rare, like the enforcers specifically kind of type. And if you're going to have a minion, the minion should have some kind of the some kind of weakness like a deep deep weakness. Oh, you mean like ignoring hazardous terrain and taking one less damage from all attacks? That kind of weakness? Right. I've played against too much. I know. I've played against too much Karai. <laughs> yeah, that's like, so gross. It's like, Holy crap. That's what I'm talking about. It's like because the problem with terrain ignoring is that if you have if you have boards like the Vassal maps where it's like yeah. models that ignore terrain are just categorically better than everything else, it just ends up meaning that crews where basically the entire crew is incorporeal are just fucking insane. Yeah. It's like so much value and you know, hazardous is such a big deal right now. I just think that they don't I think they undervalue terrain ignoring and they make it too easy to access for specific crews and not easy it's like like yeah, I can make an all terrain ignoring lynch crew, but like I would like to play at least you know, I'd like to play at least three or four keyword models. And man. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things about Vassal and different metas in general. Like terrain heavy boards are fine, but I like to see a good mix. Like when I we were at I don't know how it was at LVO, but at Captain Con, there were some boards that were pretty heavy. There were others that were more like cover heavy. There were some where it was a little more wide open, some with a river going down the middle. I mean it was a good mix, but it seems like every time I played Vassal, it's just like here's a shit ton of puked out terrain. Yeah, I like the variety everywhere. Yeah, that's, that's basically what Vassal is. It's like, all right, everything has concealment, so enjoy that. And sometimes you'll have line of sight blocking and cover. Well, on on a two D board, it's probably the easiest to work through a lot True. of times. So I found I I used to build crazy boards all the time because that's just I don't know that's just what we did I guess. And I'll never remember. There's one game that just changed my changed my mindset. I was playing against my friend Andrew, who is He's not a very serious player, good guy, but uh, he always he just always seems to take the wrong crew and get confused and you know get got. But I was playing Zareda. I was like, I'm gonna try this out. You know, don't play Zareda against your friends who aren't very good. <laughs> and it's not just You're like a monster. Like, I am a monster. I I don't know why my natural pl- control style or play style is control, but it is. So I was playing Zareda with Serena and Widow Weaver. And, you know, I had some other stuff that didn't matter. He's playing Hoffman. There's this basically, there was like a wall of terrain across the center lines composed of like hill or like, you know, climbable hills and like buildings. And, oh you know, then, then all the gaps were filled in by uh, strategy markers. And it was like break the line or something. And no, I wasn't break the line. It must have been like uh, corrupted ley lines, I guess. And so every turn he would climb up this little hill walk you know to the other side of it and then i would either hit him with widow weaver and put him six inches away in contact with a web marker hit him with a tome in the world obey him to charge his friendly and he literally just never got across the center line it was like this game is dumb and i was like you know what honestly you're right that was dumb man yeah. joshua it no, sounds no, no, like no. you don't like friends no 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 one second he <laughs> he could have 100 percent use riot breakers he just didn't 
Right. Well, that's what he was saying. It's a ca- it's a more casual player that might not have that knowledge in the. Brain. I know he said that. I'm just pointing out. You know, if it's always listens, answers. If his friend listens to the podcast, he should try that again. Nah, he never listens to podcasts. It's part of the reason. You know, it's, he's just like that. He just he only the learns guy the that hard shows way. up on Wednesday and just plays yeah. the game. Sometimes it's not even his main game. So I just but after that, I started building ter- maps that were. Now we usually have 50 mil gaps in almost most terrain things. I'll have 50 mil gaps because another friend of mine played Ulix a lot. And it just, you can't play Ulix on maps. Like Ulix 1, you just can't play him on maps. Maybe now you can, but if there's not like a reasonable way to get around the board, his crew just, just gets mired in choke points. Well, and that's what I'm saying. It's okay to have kind of a cluttered board with lots of stuff, but... You, you have to realize that if you always build the boards this way, it's ne- if you know what you're doing, you're like, well, I can't play this crew on that map. So right. you're automatically cutting out like maybe 50% of the crews that you might consider. I still think that uh, Ulix is pigs. Uh, somebody should have the ability to allow the pig to take one damage at the beginning of its activation to ignore severe and maybe possibly board. impassable. What's up? Now they have the boar, though. So he within six inches of the boar, they just do ignore severe. Yeah, yeah. You're so talking about the Romantian, but I was talking about uh-huh. like both severe and and uh, blocking, meaning okay. like they can go right through. I mean, not blocking. What's the other one? Impassable. Impassable. Basically, they become ghosts for one damage. <laughs> that could be interesting. Yeah. I can see a spear collar. Yeah, hog wild. I so, would just call it that, hog wild. Get, getting back to it, though. Okay. The last thing that I'm kind of more curious about because. Huggy is just kind of this really, and obviously you make him a master in this, which is why I think a lot of people like this version. Uh, So you get three actions out of the Hungering Darkness. And I'm just more curious, are you more, or you might flex, it it could depend on the board. But when I see Huggy, I'm like, ooh, I want to punch things with his tendrils, whereas I know (laughs) other people are like, ooh, I want to obey things. You know, again, it okay, so let me finish just a little bit about why I like Sensei Yu, Lover for Monk, and Fuhatsu. Oh, I forgot we were talking about those. Right. So so you, fun, <laughs> you just funnel all your card draw through Fuhatsu while slowly, while, you know, moderately fast moving up the board. Uh, Sensei Yu and Fuhatsu both have laugh off. You know, obviously Fuhatsu's armor one hard to wound. Sensei Yu is uh, potentially defense seven. So you have a really good front line. They both have Juggernaut. You don't like discarding cards, but it's totally worth it. And you can find those 11s to get that sweet, sweet four healing if you need it. Yeah. And lower for monk benefits a lot from Sensei U. He can discard to bone to focus. And the thing is, is like normally you don't like discarding cards, but when you're bringing both you and Gwyneth, you literally are drawing like six or seven cards a decent so amount dumb. of the time. It's so uh, dumb. I guess it's, it's like four to six cards a decent amount of the time. So that's like it's it's enough. You have the discard slots if you want them. And then lower for monk obviously is really good at healing and will usually heal four, five, six once per game. And healing four, five, six is really good, especially because Lynch can't heal anything out of keyword. He can, well, he'll just ping heal for one. But so it ended up being a really, really effective. Like Sensei U is just a really good piece. He has a lot of board control with Wind Blast, and you know having plus two to duels is really good. And then I need, you know, it's only two, three, four damage track. But anytime you're using like reasonably good cards to hit for two, three, four, and then draw two, discard one, or he still has crit strike and knock aside. But like that's a really good value right there. And not being able to be moved is really nice. Yeah, um, and then you so, get the the low river monk, which is one of the best healers in the game that only costs five points outside of keyword, and he can heal anything back to full. 
Yeah, and he gets buffed by Sensei Yu because he can get focused for as a bonus. Well, not only can he get focused as a bonus, but he can also get fast from <laughs> yeah, Sensei Yu. Yep. So technically speaking, he can like concentrate for a quick action and then three heals. He just like heal, heal, heal. It's dumb. I have seen this thing just way too many times. I I know how disgusting low. Sounds like you've been bad touched. But I've in been the, very bad touch. <laughs> so in this version of the list, I tend to use Huggy for Obey's early game and then send him in later because obeying Sensei Yu and Gwyneth to charge again so you get further up the board and you get more card draw is really high value. Obeying Fuhatsu to shoot again is really high value. There's another different style of list, which is Landon's been using more and uh, I started using it more recently, um, is uh, Kunoichi. Because Kunoichi has tools for the job, which is nice if you just uh, miss Kuno, the... Kuno what? Kunoichi, <laughs> she's from uh, Yoko. Um, she's really, it's like a strange uh, utility piece, but she's got tools for the job, which is really good when you just happen to flip a card you wanted to draw or rig into sure. on when you're like attacking yourself or whatever. And then she, on, if you discard a Masks, she can hit Huggy with her Shuriken, the 1, 2, 3, 8-inch range, and she moves 3, so now she's getting up the board, and she's got a Galvanized trigger to give any friendly within 3 inches focus plus 1. And it's built in because of tools for the job. So now you're hitting Huggy for mostly likely zero, moving up the board, giving out focused. So with that, when you're using Kunoichi, uh, I like to give Huggy focused too, and then send him in. Espe- you know, if they don't have any anti-healing and they don't have any demise protection, like you really are not paying a high cost. And yeah, he hits real fucking hard. He's really good. Yeah. And it's like such a flexible thing because you can obey your own stuff, you can obey their stuff out in the open, and then you can charge it. I had one game uh, against Mei Feng too, where he's like sending a fast, you know, he gives gives fast to the arcane emissary with diesel engine and makes it walk. And he's like, ah, ha, ha, I'm about to get your squishy backline. And I just like, you know, flung Huggy up with a rail worker and obeyed the because uh, I took a rail worker to remove his scrap markers. Uh, so I obeyed the the arcane emissary, charged seven inches backward, hit his rock hopper for like. I think I only had the the thing for moderate. So he hit it for moderate, shoved aside, shoved the rock hopper four inches toward Huggy, uh, then shoved four inches back into his deployment zone, and then Huggy charged the rock hopper, who was now in range to be charged because it's an eight-inch charge range. I will say that uh, the funniest thing was Landon was playing Chris in round, I think it was four, and Landon just kind of looked at the board and just said, I think this will be fun. And he ended up charging, I can't remember what model Huggy went into, but I guess Landon had a card and used a stone, and he just did eight damage and just deleted a model. <laughs> Speaking of which, there is one thing I sometimes do on turn one, and you should be really watching out for it if you play against Lynch. Always be suspicious if they rig the deck and then don't flip any cards. Because mm-hmm. I will often rig the red joker and a severe or a severe and a red joker. And I'll just I'll just throw Huggy or Fuhatsu into something and be like, hey, I flip a 13, cool. Uh you cheat up, so I am on negative. Great, I hit red joker and hit you for eight. Great. <laughs> so you should always you should really, yeah. really pay attention to what they're rigging. Maybe force some cards out when you see that. Yeah, yeah, if you can. If they rig and they don't cheat, you really want to hit them with a couple of attacks just yeah. to see just to keep them honest. Yeah. Just like chuck something at them. Literally, it was like, wait, okay, I attack you. <laughs> Make a TN test, huh? Yeah. Because it's it's very oh god. The amount of very times sus, that as the kids say. Bro, yeah, does like, it does he Wilson do that to you? Oh my god, that and always has a thirteen and always has a twelve in hand. Like literally his hand was stacked every single time because he would not cheat until he had all the numbers in his hand, basically, by like rigging the deck. Because he plays with the Beckoners, and 
Beckoners, yeah, you're right. Like they die if if you concentrate on them, but they're five points. They're five yeah, points, and they give you an automatic brilliance. And because it's named differently than what uh, Lynch One has written, you can put two of them on somebody. Mm-hmm. So well, yeah. no, their, their, no, their ability specifies that it's somebody without a brilliance token. No, I, I know, but you can stack them in different order. Uh huh. Because you can put in the reckoner, oh, the reckoners and then you go in first, afterwards. and then you do Lynch. Yeah, because uh-huh. Lynch doesn't have that uh, limitation. The reasoning right. is reckoners cannot put double stacking on one, right? But Lynch right. doesn't care. <laughs> I'm not tilting, but I'm like, God, my Bayou willpower is so low. Bruh, yeah. I'm telling you right now, the, the most infuriating thing that I, I got to see when I was playing against 10 Thunders is they just have an answer to pretty much anything. So seeing things yeah. out of keyword is like completely natural. And it and it is this and I think I that's probably why this keyword and this title is really interesting to a lot of people because 10 Thunders does have a really good out of keyword and versatile selection and I feel like this version of Lynch and maybe even the original does a good job of utilizing those really well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, card draw and and obey is is a generic recipe for success. But but yeah, man, dig dig into it. I mean, definitely. I know a lot of Lynch players are definitely wanting content on how they can make this monster work. So I think beckoners are good. I don't take them. Depleted are good. I don't take them. So I'm I'm not going to comment too much on them because I don't take them. Sure. Graves is a lot better now, um, both because you have double delirium aura, which makes it easier to keep him. Because part of the problem with Graves is he good opponents will move him into your him you know, towards your other stuff. No, no, move him toward your stuff and then hit him so yeah. that they can you know add multiple black blood pings to every time they damage him. Um, and then hard to kill is is a lot better. He's a he's a really good model, but he always died on the way in. Um, now you can heal him on the way in, so he usually gets to the the action with relatively full health, and then lead the way is actually really good for additional mobility. Um, so, and because now you have double delirium aura, now you're leading the way. You get four inches, they get four inches. You give them a brilliance token, they get two inches. And you know his fence post is actually really good. Like severe injury and puncture on an attack is just a really generically good attack. Yeah. So he's just gotten a lot better because of the healing specifically. It's sort of why Jacob Lynch 2 solves Jacob Lynch 1's problems. Yeah, his cold keyword squishy, but you can make up for some of the the damage you're going to take on the way in. So I like Graves a lot. haven't used him that much, but I have used him, and he's really good. Illuminated are also really good. They always were, but they just got a really bad rap. The reality is that they're they're rig 1, so you're always going to get, almost always going to get a free shockwave efficiently. I mean, maybe your hand is nothing, but you you have a god hand, and you're like, well, I really don't want to use this on a shockwave. But their shockwave is really good, because as Bayou knows, Willpower 13 is actually a pretty high duel, and it's damage 2 plus a Brilliance token, which is like, that's a lot of work to do, especially if there's Delirium Auras around, and it's a Shockwave 2. So I actually that, think they're really good. That right there is, like, I saw a Wilson experiment with, like, a couple of lists with two uh, or three uh, illuminated because of the, that gun, specifically because of that gun, because he could continuously just chuck it, and it's, it's just, he needs a six to force people to use an eight. And yeah. it's just so, like, eventually Multiple it just became too. too much. Also, yeah, just random terrifying, because why not? Uh, yeah, and terrifying is really good in this list because, specifically of Tannen, if you can get them engaged when Tannen's up with Boring Conversation, now they're testing for Boring Conversation, testing for terrifying, and they have to cheat, discard to cheat either one of them. Right. Yeah. Like, and then the so fact many. that they... 
They've got Regen 1 and Brill Shaper, so they actually do have quite a bit of healing. Now with Lynch being able to heal them too, like, it's not... I mean, it, you can one activation kill them. It's not super easy, but it can be done. But, and of course, I mean, they're really for, for a 7 stone little beater, it's a decent amount of resources to try and kill that 7 stone beater. Yep. Yeah. And they have a, basically have a 3, 4, 6. I mean... Yeah. On seven stones, like it's good. I actually that mask trigger is pretty cool where you can even cheat on the negatives. That's pretty slick. It's an interesting one. I don't my my problem with Flay is that it's like a bad puncture. Like, yes, you can cheat, but like <laughs> wouldn't you rather just flip the severe rather than have to cheat it from your hand? Yep. I know, right? But the nice thing is it gives you that control when you really absolutely must one hundred percent kill something right now, you can do yeah. it. I mean so if great... anything got close and didn't kill it, a focus hit for six damage will make you yeah. question your decisions like it's, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like oh the seven point model oh yeah i'm gonna kill him oh crap well he's a two health fuck it he's six not gonna is do a, much. six of the highest spike for a seven stone model yeah yeah and no and, and i actually think that this is one of the models where um hard to kill is is pretty decent both because you don't always need their their uh bonus action and challenge is a really good action in lynch because you're probably also discarding cards for tannin so your hand size is like really limited and hard to kill when you have regen one brill shaper and lynch in the crew is actually really really good because it's really becomes very hard to finish them off that is an interesting thing i don't never saw them with silent protector yeah i like very interesting take it's like with nine points is expensive, but because they have a three, four, six and yeah. a good shockwave, they're actually pretty decent for nine. St- I mean, you know, again, and a good gun. Yeah. Yeah. No, the shockwaves, I think the shockwave is better than the melee, but the melee is really good. Well, the melee is what I said. Like if you got into them and you did not kill them, prepare to get, take six damage to the chest. Yeah. <laughs> that was an actual, like it was almost guaranteed. Cause the thing is that since they have rigged the deck, they can put in the highest card in their hand on top of the deck focus hit you and then you know what's coming and then after that you can just cheat one of the 11 so you have it in your hand because you're playing you know this faction so you just use one card out of your hand technically and then you get to just okay i hit you for a uh six damage let's just move on <laughs> it's true like oh and then i brill chaper because why not because why not and yeah. you, you're going to have tons of brilliant. The, in the old Lynch, I didn't always find it was that easy to keep a steady flow of brilliance tokens on them. But with new Lynch, I find it, if you want brilliance tokens on them, you can just put three on them, like, you know, with his mm-hmm. heal. That's fair. And in the early game, you know, and, and, and I guess I never, it took me a while to like really get good at moving through Kitty for effect. So I, maybe I wouldn't struggle with that now. Yeah, that was actually like in, when you said that at the beginning of this episode, that was one thing where I was like, oh, that's like a really easy way to go about that. Yep, yep. And in charging your own stuff to burn bad cards, like it's so good to be able It's It's basically like a non-permanent version of Dreamers Lucid Dreaming is a lot what it functions like is that your deck is literally better than your theirs because you're just you're just stripping bad cards out of it left and right like yeah you're like, hey, oh, I, don't, I don't need this bonus action. <laughs> yep. It's like I don't need this bonus action to go off. We'll just we'll just put that one there and fail it. Great. Good times. Yeah. Um, okay, and then so for the rest of things, there's a lot of different things that are good. The things that I tend to okay, I've been playing him with really low cash. I don't think that Lynch needs a lot of cash because he wants to play kind of safe. He can heal all his keyword stuff, 
and he likes bringing healing anyway. And then he doesn't generally need suits because he can hunt for things, and he generally doesn't need to stone for cards because he can hunt for things. So I've been playing with like two and three cash pretty consistently, and that has been enough for me. And it means that it also means that I don't have to take henchmen. I can take really high value enforcers because I'm probably going to be able to find the suits. I'm going to get the value out of them. For I example, tip, I tip the cap to you on that. I I am a maw player, and I appreciate also going down to one soul stone or two soul stones nice yeah people don't like it but i think you know i mean lynch is like ma if i played ma the other day for the first time it was super fun but i never got a single tome in my hand oh, and i did not have the card draw i was looking been there for. man been there it's so rough <laughs> and like lynch is like ma with but you can't you can't just that's not actually the game that i rage quit it's because i didn't draw higher than a 10 like the whole game and i didn't have any tomes and I, so turn beautiful. four, I was just done with it. <laughs> there, there is some additional um, bonus, technically, to Lynch 2, if we think about it. It's He's not the leader, and he's still a master. Yep. Double so, masters against the raid is pretty nice. Yeah, so like his uh, value is technically low priority for the enemy, but at the same time, if you don't kill Lynch 2, then killing Huggy is significantly harder. Yep. And you can claim jump with him. You can vendetta with him, although he can also be vendetta against. You can do a lot of like weird things with him. And because he costs 11, he costs mm-hmm. 11, I think. Yeah, um, he so he can vendetta riders. And he does actually do good damage. It's just weird. There's a lot of weird scheming things that you don't immediately notice. You're like, oh, yeah, he's not a leader or a totem. I can do things with him. Yep. I mean, and he literally is, like I said earlier, He's an illuminated. Like his damage yeah. is the same. Three, four, six. So he will do with the built in trigger. Exactly. Like he is an illuminated when it turns to damage. Alright, so uh, other things I like with Lynch. So one category is things that are terrifying. As I said, terrifying is actually works really well with Lynch's game plan. You're already pressuring their hand and Tannen really turns it up to eleven. So for example, Shadow Emissary is great with Lynch. Um, puts out more duels, has you know, has um Pulse healing has hand exchange, you know, his shockwaves. If you're stacking, you know, the shockwaves get better when you stack them. So if you're stacking, you got Illuminator 2 and the uh, Shadow Emissary. That can be really nice. And he's just, you know, his attack is just generically good. Oh my God. Yeah, shockwaves are so good late, late turn. Bro, you can charge the Emissary, trigger Dragon's Fire, and then attack somebody with Savage Bite. This is dumb. You but can yeah. also um, obey him, which because normally you can only get Dragon's Fire once per activation. No, no, that's exactly, him sorry, that's what exactly what I was meaning. Huggy can obey the Shadow Emissary to charge, trigger Dragon's Fire, and get an attack. So you're basically yep. getting two free attacks for, for one single obey. That's so dumb. That's so good. It's really good. Oh. Yep. Absolutely. And of course, he's move six. He's flying. You know, I mean, defense five is a little bit of a downer, but dude, terrifying 11 hard to kill is not that terrible, especially because you're probably bringing healing anyway. And Lynch has pulse healing and he has pulse healing. So you really just need to get him to survive like one activation and then he'll kind of at some point. It doesn't matter if he dies as long as he takes enough AP with him. I mean, if you think about it, uh, I mean, not that you haven't. I'm just it's a yeah, yeah. that's an expression anyway. Uh, when he activates, you can do Storms of, of Shadows. You can then have him either charge or walk and then Lightning Strike. Say you charge, right? And you kill whatever you hit. Then you can just like have him be on the periphery. And if they attack him, he has hard to kill and agile. So even right. if they were to, like say, engage him, you can just like obey walk 
put him in a better position. Walking still counts as placing because he has flight. And then it's still an attack. Like, it's so, so good. It's so good. Yeah, it's super good. Um, the other thing that I've thought about taking with him is uh, Lady Yume and or Amanozako, mm -hmm. because both of those are terrifying. Lady Yume, um, when you've got other flying, terrifying stuff, like, you know, you get ben benefit from her version of Rig the Deck. Right. So it's kind of like, I think there's a, a place for, and the other thing about, it's kind of like Rezzers, where you can you can be like, surprise, all terrifying crew, but unlike Rezzers, they don't just assume that's what you're going to do. So I think there's an interesting surprise play of like, I brought a bunch of terrifying stuff. I hope you brought a bunch of Ruthless because otherwise it's going to be kind of rough for you. <laughs> um, and then the other thing I really like about Shadow Emissary is giving concealment to the Luck Thieves without having to be in concealing terrain. So we're just talking about how there's a, there's a kind of an interesting and viable crew. I think it's viable anyway, that mostly like mostly just takes terrifying models. So you've got Shadow Emissary. Um, you've got things like uh, Lady Yume and Amanozako. And, you know, like in Rezzers, the all-terrifying list is a super common thing, but it's not very good because everybody knows that it's a thing and they're going to bring some Ruthless just in case. Whereas in Ten Thunders, it's not really what you're expecting most of the time. Yeah, I know. So I think there's an interesting play there where you just really lean into terrifying and, you know, again, like any any enforcer that has good suits, so Lady Yume is a terrifying enforcer with some really good suits around triggers, is really good in Lynch. Um, I think Amanozako is has a lot of potential value because when you can consistently trigger either drink blood or delay, you can get some serious, serious value out of that. Um, Dark Bargain is just really good. You can almost certainly get the five of masks you need for it. So I think there's an interesting place. No, I, I was saying almost guaranteed because like, I, I love everything that, that you mentioned because, uh, for example, Torturous Trance, which is an Oblivion Lady Yume, effectively makes it so that her terrifying can go up to 14 on her activation uh -huh. for a yep. model. That's super good. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm liking these. Uh, Dude, Injured is so good. Injured is such an incredible ability. At stat 7, too. Yep. That's the reason why I was like, as I'm listening to you, I'm looking at a Lady Yume, and it's like, yeah, this is, this is a ridiculously strong idea. I wonder how it will actually play out on the table. Because the idea is strong. Dude, hole, she has hole in the world, man. She has oh, fucking hole in the world. And she has puncture on a 2-3-6. Oh, I know. And with your card, like, card manipulation abilities, you can almost guarantee having the 12 of, of twelve plus of tomes in your hand. Yep. I'm just uh, over here, like, uh, I'm just thinking, like, Michael Scott over here. I'm just listening. <laughs> also, like, nope, don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Other uh, great things, I really like the Lone Swordsman, who is incredible in Lynch because, first of all, he's got free movement, he's got armor one hard to kill, you know, he's still defense five for whatever reason, and he's got ruthless. So like Fuhatsu, he's pretty hard to take down. And then you, because you can give him rams and you can hunt for high rams, and you can, you know, I usually take him with a Kunoichi, so I'm going to give him two focused before he activates. Then he's going to be hitting it four, six, effectively four, six, seven if I have the Ram to cheat, and with positive on damage. And if he's doing lost breath, he's at four, six, seven with double positive to attack and damage. So he is an incredibly has incredible potential in Lynch, way more than he usually does, I think. Also, okay. really flexible because you can give out slow, you can get past tokens. As we know, past tokens are really powerful. So I think the Lone Swordsman's really good uh, in Lynch, and. Then, then there's like just a wide variety of like so like Bill Bill Algren is also really already oh, really good. But when you yeah. can hunt for the crows and you can hunt for the rams, you can totally build a hand where Bill's very likely to hit something for min seven twice in a row. Because you, you hit, have you know, to say his name. 
Bill Algren. Oh my God, Wilson's definitely gonna try this out. That is so yeah. Because oh. uh, what he does is he does um, heroic intervention with a crow trigger for if they don't discard it, if they don't remove a scheme marker on the table, they take two, and then he hits <laughs> you with a three three four. Yep. Um, with crit strike, you know, and then you just stone for the crit strike stone, for, and you cheat the card. Yeah. So that's you're hitting them for two guaranteed two, and then min five if you hit them, which you should be if you're cheating a thirteen of rams or twelve of rams. I mean, he and then there's you know obviously we have unfinished business, which triggers every game. Uh, I you know I have the same experience oh. with Bill that I do with Gwen. If they just focus Bill down and then he dies, but theoretically it could trigger. <laughs> really? Like uh, armor one with stones. <sighs> he's defensive five. He's well, he's already said he only brings two stones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. I don't, because I just don't care that much. Like I'll heal him up, and if if they can get through my healing, I'm just like whatever. You've 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 paid True. your AP tax. Because I'd rather just have more <laughs> models. Fair. I also That's think fair. that um, Batari is actually Oku Batari is not something you see that much, but I actually think she's pretty good in Lynch. Yeah. Um, she's really good at killing squishy henchmen that rely on stones to survive, because you can give her two focus with the Kunuichi. Now she's got two focused and she's got two attacks at focused, flickered, and you can hunt for the Rams to do from the heavens, um, or or shove aside. Also pretty good. And she's got diving charge. You can obey her. She's got lure, and you can obey her. And then finally, just putting her into a bunch of stuff and try to kill something and then obeying her for whispered truths is not a bad way to go, I think. Nope, that's super uh, annoying. I think uh, she's actually pretty decent in Lynch. Um, there's a, uh, another thing is Chiaki and Sun Kiang are both pretty decent in Lynch. Chiaki is one of the things that Ton Thunders does really struggle with is condition removal because they nerfed the Tanuki pretty hard. So obviously you can't remove poison. Yeah, rip Tanuki. Yeah, and he just like feels so bad. He has so many high target numbers and his effective just is not what it was. So I like taking Chiaki because she gives you card draw, and card draw is really, really important for Lynch because you, you know, you just need those card slots. She also has a stat seven dispel magic with hole in the world, and beckoning call, both of which are really good, and Lynch can take a lot of advantage of. Desper, I take a lot. He's, you know, and Samurai. Uh, Desper and Samurai both fulfill the role of I need to be able to ignore armor. Desper's only stat five, but he does have the built-in crit strike. So if I just hunt for the ram or stone for the ram, I'm, I've got the the three, four, six ignoring. I was armor so pissed off when Desper like killed Gracie. I'm just like, this shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> and he's really, really good at scoring, and he can steal soul stones, and he can turn corpses into soul stones. Yes. And he ignores all the things and leaps. You know, he's pretty good. Yeah, pr- pr- pretty good. But he's a <laughs> he's a defense five model. Oh, <laughs> no, because the I, same thing. Like I've heard, it's like oh, if people focus him down, then he'll die. I was like, yeah, well, I sure, I've killed him. I've murdered. killed him, but usually, if a player is playing him well, that's exactly my gonna, point. They're not going to put him in that situation. That's exactly why I said about uh, Bill, and I got a resounding, oh no, he just dies. I'm like, Desperate is squishier. <laughs> yeah but desperate can stay out of the action it's like bill bill usually ends up being in the thick of things although he can be pretty mobile with you're coming with me and put two inch push on a spear yeah uh, but he tends i i think it's just the way i use him i just tend to throw him and be like if you're willing to kill this guy fine it's gonna take you too much it's not worth it but you go there you go you go yeah. for it you're like die for me i'm like <laughs> die for me, i don't bill. have to <laughs> so, because of everything we're talking about with these different combination of models you can bring with this lynch crew i mean is this really why you felt comfortable bringing them in four out of the five pools i mean are they can they perform pretty well in almost any pool that you look at yes although i'm just not gonna lie because i was preparing for a tournament i really just 
I, there was only two versions of the list I played in prep for the tournament. One was with Fuhatsu and Sensei and Lure for Monk, and the other one was with Charm Orders and other things because it was for summoning lists. Yeah. And I ended up playing the Charm Order version versus Dreamer and Fuhatsu and Sensei versus everybody else. Nice. Okay. So, no, that's good. Yeah. That's actually part of the, the training and the practice because you were comfortable enough with the list that they did the job that you were actually practicing for. Well, and everything changed, and I only had three months to prepare. So it was like, holy shit, not only am I trying to learn my list, I'm trying to learn everybody else's list in three yeah. months. You talk about you were practicing before Malifo Burns. Got yeah, it. I think yeah. that's important, too, because if you're not, and there's so much going on in Malifo that you can't possibly prepare for every single model in the game. So I think if you get really comfortable with your crew and get the reps in and know what you're doing so well, that a lot of times that's going to take care of a lot of the questions that you might not know about certain crews. Yeah. Because they're just, I think 10 Thunders, and this is why maybe Lynch 2 is a good option, because 10 Thunders do have some really just awesome models that can really do, especially GG2, can do a lot of things to score you points and win the game. And the fact that you have now three obeys that you can give out and you're healing and you're drawing a lot of cards. There's a lot of consistency with the main core part of your crew. And then yep. you have those other fill-ins and that kind of come off the bench to get the points for you. Yeah, I used to think that Sensei U was essential because of his card draw, but after I started rigging crows and prioritizing low crows to, you know, keep them for, for Gwyneth, I realized I don't have, like, he's nice. It's That nice is to have so him, much better than what it. the bow cores had, too, because the bow cores, you yeah. needed at least a seven of crows. Right, this is any crow. Yeah, any crow yep. is good. Yep, it's really good. I know we're talking about a lot of flexibility, but what is something that you think gives the crew trouble? Like, what are some matchups that you've been like, this is this was pretty rough when I was playing Lynch. Uh, obviously, any anti-healer demise is really threatening to Huggy. You got to mm -hmm. play a lot more carefully. Certainly can play into it. Um, and then uh, Brewmaster's past tokens were really rough. You got to <laughs> you have to bring guns into that matchup. Um, Thunder Archers, Fuhatsu uh, are both good. Could bring snipers, but I don't think they're as good as Thunder Archers or Fuhatsu. Um, Sadir is also good. Sadir is really nice for because he walks to gain focus, which is cool with obeys and cool with a bunch of other stuff, and he can deny cover. Um, other things, I haven't played that much. In, so I played into Riva too, and we were playing on a board that had a bunch of hazardous burning terrain on it, so that was rough. Um, <laughs> and so anything that can put out like a bunch of hazardous terrain is a little bit tricky. Like you can still play into it between like you can take rail workers to reposition Lynch. Lynch can eat other people across those areas. But if you're playing into like Sonya, I think Sonya would be really rough um, because she, you know, she can consistently damage you by making your deck bad and just flood the board with pyre markers that are not going to be that easy for most of your crew to ignore. And like, no, nobody can ignore them in Sonya you know, too, anyway. And they added the new buff to the. Uh... The new six point uh, soulstone, I mean six soulstone model, the uh, the the uh, spell, huh? Which model are you talking about? Queller, the Queller, the Queller now uh, makes it uh, that you cannot do triggers against her. So whenever you fight against Sonia, if you attack her, you don't get any bonuses from your triggers. Right, which I mean that's fine. I'm mostly concerned about just just having to slog my way through pyre markers and like not just being, being set on fire. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't usually bring a lot of flying. 
I also think like Perdita too is super good into this because she can just shoot Huggy, you know, no healing, and then just shoot him with everything else too. And you can't demise if you can't heal. I mean, yeah, there's so many shots coming at you too. Yeah, so I think in general, ranged damage is quite good against this crew. You have to be a little careful because if you're too reliant on guns, I could just throw Huggy into your face. And if you don't have any way to deal with him, you're not going to be <laughs> shooting much. But um, I think that range damage in general is pretty is is pretty good against the crew. Um, and also then focus damage, because you keep in mind, it's not good enough to do seven or eight damage to Gwyneth. You have to kill her. Yeah. You know, you have to kill her because otherwise I'm just going to heal her for six. And you'll be like, man, I don't have enough cards to get through Luck Thief. I think, you know, I mean, a lot of the, a lot, it's like, that's the name of the game right now is bring your A game, bring something that generates incredible value, bring something that is going to stomp people. Like he's, he's, I don't think that he is like particularly better than the other S tier stuff. You know, he's really good, but his crews, he doesn't have nearly as much defensive tech as a lot of things do. A lot of it depends. Like, do I get to activate Tannen first? Because if you just take initiative and you just kill Tannen, well, <laughs> you know, Cannon's not very hard no to kill balls. when he's just manipulative. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if I don't have a good hand at the start of the turn, like, my options are go with Gwyneth. And that's another thing. Like, we talk about how good Gwyneth is, but that's only when she's hitting your models. And, yes, it's good to do it in turn one, but, I mean, it's not really what you want to be doing. And you if I'm hitting your models, I don't need – I'm not going to be deja vuing on a one of crows, right? Yeah. It's like I'm going to need – be able to need, and it's it's unpredictable. So in the mid game, there's, like, a lot of times when you can abuse his lack of a hand because he hasn't had time to build it yet. So I think that's like crews that can do targeted, you know, other strong crews that can do targeted damage, things that are tanky. Like he doesn't, you know, have a lot of native ways to ignore defensive rules. You, he just have you found other problems when there's a crew that makes you discard cards? Is that a problem? I haven't run into that that much. It, de- it definitely would be a problem. Actually, I have. You know what? I've lost like entire entire hands. I'd be really. But the thing is, like, like against Zareda, right? So against Zareda, it's not necessarily a problem because I can rig a couple, do some work. You know, rig a couple more, do some work. And yeah. she's never going to hit me with my, you know, get, catch me with my pants down. Um, I've definitely had some trouble against, whoa, something was making me just, I had, oh, I think Sonya actually had drain magic. Um, and drain magic can be really rough sometimes if you've, you've kind of done your Gwyneth cycle and then they start draining magic when you have like five severes in your hand. Yeah. I mean, if you can start putting pressure on the Lynch's, the Lynch player's hand, um, I know I haven't played against it a lot. I have played it a couple of times and it, the times where I was able to force them to cheat, whether it was TN tests or force them to cheat, to try and not take a crap ton of damage. Those have been the games that worked out better than the other ones. Yeah, I do think shockwaves are great because his crew stats are generally not that good. He yeah. does like to bubble up, and he doesn't have that much defensive tech. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Kitty and Huggy are incorporeal, but I mean, shockwaves are the perfect uh, answer to luck thieves because they don't have any damage yeah. reduction, and you know they're probably going to fail them a lot of the time. I mean, who wants to cheat a thirteen to pass a TN thirteen duel? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and especially you want to make sure Lynch gets in them because he can heal everybody else pretty efficiently. He can't heal himself that efficiently. I, I wouldn't bring a lot of terrifying. It's generally a good way to pressure hands, but you if you bring too much terrifying and they just bring a bunch of ruthless stuff, which tends to be good anyway, and Thunders can do that, you're you're gonna be sad. So don't, I mean, don't depend too I'm, much on terrifying. I'm kind of curious. Why do you say he cannot heal himself? Because he can't. It's a pulse, and he can heal himself why? for one. Yeah, it's, he okay. can heal himself for one. But the the um, looming eclipse is a pulse, and it can't target him because he's not in the area of effect. Tracking. Okay. 
I did play it that way, that way the first time, and it was I was like, man, I could just take Lynch and Huggy out a keyword; it would be broken as hell. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I see you now. I'm sorry. I did not notice that it was a pulse. I thought it was a targeted ability. It is targeted, but it's only things within the area of the pulse. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Okay, cool. So uh, Kenshiro is good. Railworker is good. Thunder Archers are good. Lower Vermonk is good. Wandering Vermonks are good. Charm Orders are really good. Um, and then sometimes Jorogumo are worth taking. Kunoichi, I already mentioned a bunch of times. And then Hucksters are excellent sometimes at scoring. So every, those are all the things that I Every single with. model that you just said is out of keyword. Yeah, you know, these are all the other models I take. Oh, and the absolutely. one thing I, I think is a, a trap is uh, I tried Mototo and Minako Rei for the summoning engine. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. It's too resource intensive, mm-hmm. and I just didn't. It was not the worst thing ever, but like I think it's a bit of a trap. So, I mean, I think that this has just been a good comprehensive kind of just how the keyword works. I, I Now that we've talked about it, I do see that there is a good core that you definitely want to build around. But then there's just a lot of out of keyword models, a lot of versatiles that you can really use to really benefit from the good cards. Um, And the keyword's good too, though. That's what's so fun about it. It's the keyword's totally playable. And there's a few more versatiles I didn't mention. You know, obviously like Dawn Serpent and stuff is good. But, you know, if you don't know that, you don't play 10 Thunders. Yeah, the Wheel of Death, Flaming Death there, whatever that's called. I mean, actually, that's really good with Lynch because that thing needs to get work done before it dies. And, you know, high cards are going to make sure it gets work done. Yep. Yeah, it's fast as hell, too. <laughs> yeah, so fast. I appreciate you talking about Lynch. It definitely gives, I think, everybody that listened to this a lot of good ideas on how to possibly run it and just how good it is. But moving a little bit towards the end of the episode here, I did want to just talk about LVO because you did finish very well in it. And I think that something that as we start getting more live tournaments, I don't know, there's just there's something more about playing in person that I think gives a little more emotion into a game. Whereas I think Vassal sometimes is a little more robotic and it doesn't always get as heated because you're kind of just, you know, it's it's very, you know, binary a lot of times. Just, you know, X does this, X does that. Okay, good game. Whereas in a tournament, you know, you, you can kind of really start to read each other and feel off of each other and just kind of, you know, get, get that going. And I, I know some people don't like to focus on maybe some of the, you know, rage quitting aspects of just getting pissed <laughs> off during a game. But, that, you know, that's what we're all about. So I did, and you don't have to go into names and stuff, but I am definitely interested in sharing kind of your experience with one of the rounds. And if you could just generally explain kind of how it progressed and then kind of just just how it, it ended up kind of playing out, if you will. Uh, basically, my so my first thing is I really want to echo what you said a couple episodes ago where I really experienced the lack of completed games like and basically all my tournament prep my friends were like yeah you just plan for turn three like you're not gonna get past turn three anyway so you just need to i, I refuse three. that premise <laughs> and you know what i i really took it to heart because i was like because i just this was my goal is just to do the best i could and if that's sure. the tournament reality i'm just gonna accept it and go with it like i'm still playing for turn five but i'm really needing to be in a dominant position by turn three and my experience was that so my first game was against Dreamer from Ambrose from the, the Vassal. He was great. We had a really, I basically like wiped Chompy. I got Chompy down to one wound. I was unlucky to not to wipe him off the board yeah. and killed an ancient pact 
uh, Daydream turn one, and the game just went downhill from there. I just killed Champion and Insidious, yeah. and like he still almost tied me. I think he maybe could have tied me if he played a little, a uh, little differently. But it was we were running out of time. We were playing fast. That game turn went to four. Then all my other games went to three, except for the last one, which went to four. And I think this is a huge problem. The game is not complete. The game is, is not right. complete, and there's too much. Like even if you're not slow playing, Malifaux is a complicated game. There's a lot going on real life is messy like part of why vassal feels so clinical is because you can just take things back in real life you move a model like well fuck now i don't know if i can see his that, that line of sight gone forever I have no idea if i'm in the yeah. right spot you know like oh i'm a i'm a tenth of an inch away somebody bumps the table and now i fucking i have no idea i i tell that to chris over. all the time we'll be like he'll be doing something and i'll be like well let me see if this is within six and then like he bumps a model like well we don't fucking know anymore <laughs> <laughs> right? You just don't. Um, yeah. And then I played my second round game against uh, Steve Bynum, who's been out of the game for a long time. Great guy, though. He was, I always looked up to him as like one of the excellent players, you know, in Tui. And that was a hard fought game against Yamlo 1, where he killed Fuhatsu turn one before Fuhatsu activated. And then I just was like, well, that's going to be a hard game. But then Huggy just swung in and just like swung for the fences on Izamu with a stacked hand and managed to kill Izamu in one round. So it was kind of like tit for tat. Nice. And um, I ended up, because we only went to turn three, he didn't realize that a uh, laugh off could be obeyed. So I just obeyed Fuhatsu off the center line, obeyed Gwyneth back on. And then, so I scored claim jump. He didn't. And then that was the game. That so was kind of like, uh, it was such a, it was a potential, it was like, and it feels, it's such a feels bad because his entire last turn was like, well, there's nothing, there's no point in doing anything because we're not going to get to turn four. And I, I can't score my second point of breakthrough because I haven't scored my first point yet. Yeah. It's like, it's like such a feels bad, but it was a good game. Good guy. My fourth, third game is against Nick Westbrook and Nelly. And we just, it, oh man, that game was like really rough. But again, I took Nick's bait and switch. Boy. Yeah. Nick was such a great, great guy. I really enjoyed playing him. And he he put Pale Rider just a little bit too far forward, and I just eviscerated it, just killed him with Fuatsu. It was like, yep, yep, Aww. just going to rig the red Joker and kill you. It's going to be great. I've got all the cards. I'm going to make it happen. And then Nelly, Allison, and – oh, he also made a mistake where he accidentally put Leadline Coat on Fiona instead of Allison, which we realized in the middle of the game, and I was like, ah, sorry, man. It's already in the app, and we've been played like two turns. Um so that was like really weird, but they managed to think, hold off. I think like, I talked to him. I think I can't remember if that's the game. He said he was kind of wishing he just dropped Perdita again. <laughs> oh, could, man, but, I, I'm not sure it was either that or maybe, yeah, I'm not sure. Perdita would have been better. I mean, Nelly was really good. It actually made me want to play Nelly because she, she, Fiona and Allison basically held off my entire crew for like three turns. It's pretty good. And I just, eventually i just killed enough stuff that i just you had. let these newspaper flinging women just keep off your game man. no dude they're amazing really good crew they are well that's the other thing we didn't mention is uh lynch 2 has three ap which yes. like he's yeah. good at scoring he's good at he's only got move four but he's good at scoring he's good at getting into beat things he's good at he's he's good at yeeting things over to the side of the board to score the fact that you have two three ap models is freaking huge and one of them is walk six and corporeal with a two inch range i can't, I can't believe we didn't monitor as somebody that played the crap out of Victorious, absolutely. They are and with Kitty, who is basically oh when for scoring purposes, Kitty is often a three AP model. So yes. that's something we didn't really mention that we really should have. That and that of between obeys and reaching tendrils and Lynch having three AP, AP, the core is actually really good at scoring. So Yeah, and you ended up getting Nick in that uh, in that game. 
Yeah. So, okay. So I, I took bait and switch. Cause I was like, well, you know, we're probably, we probably don't get to turn five. He probably doesn't bother getting any models in my deployment zone. That's true. It's like, I'm not proud of that. <laughs> like, I don't, but it was a crappy scheme pool. Cause it was all scheme marker related schemes and into Nelly. That's probably why I took Nelly. Yeah, I took detonate charges and he didn't quite, which was a dumb choice, but I didn't have a lot of good options. And he didn't realize my setup until it was too late. So I managed to get both points off of that. It was like weird nice. against Nelly, but um, I don't know. We were both tired. It was round three of day one. It was Yeah, I mean, that's good though. I mean, Nick's, uh, I mean, I've, yeah, I've talked to Nick a lot. He's a good player. And I think he ended up finishing fourth maybe. So yeah, he but really, well. he finished fourth, but really he was at top table round five. Yeah. So, and again, he, he, he anyway well not go but he complained about feeling like his opponent wasn't fast enough and if he'd gotten to later rounds he might have won that game yeah and then my you know my third okay so my fourth round is i played asami because it was corners and my deployment zone he was the attacker and he predictably put me in this deployment zone it was like two houses with a forest in between them that took up all the space between them and that was like it was corners with that directly in front of my corner so I was a little worried, like, yeah, Lynch is good, but he's not great at getting past things that you can't push through. True. Um, you can do it if you need to. Uh, I think I could have done it, but I was a little concerned, and I, ha I haven't played into Arcanist that much, but I thought it would be Hoffman too. So I was like, well, I think Drogumo can can severe six their way through all that armor. Basically, so this was a really weird game. Um, basically, it started out bad because we're both kind of chunky, the table is uneven. The terrain is not like it's not on secured bases. Like I told Doug, you know, uh, one of the things I feedback I gave Doug is the terrain's good, but this forest needs to have silicone on the bottom because it's moving all around. It's moving every model on it every time anybody shakes the table. You know, it needs to be a little more fixed in place. Yeah, that's why I like the. Um, I just like like the mouse pad forest bases, and you could put trees on top of it to make it look good. But I like the two D terrain that sticks on there and it won't move. But even if you don't have it, just literally go to your hardware store, get some silicone, put a thin layer on, put it on some um, saran wrap, and then just the saran wrap peels off mm -hmm. afterwards, and it's non-stick or non-skid. So you can do that even if you have regular ones. It's really easy and fast, and it makes it a lot better. And then there were trains. And trains, PSA, if you have trains on your table, glue the fucking wheels to something. <laughs> because... <laughs> First of all, they need a defined base. And second of all, they move around way too easily when you have such thin points of contact. Yeah, I was like, can I move ball. under this lip of the train? Is like, uh -huh. <laughs> And this mattered because on his very first turn, he puts a pylon marker between the two trains that he can move through. Black Joker's his bonus action to move it. And then we hadn't talked about whether or not he could fit a 50 through the other gap. So I was, you know, I was just being my normal self. I was like, you know what? Just move through it. It's, it's fine. But really i probably should have been a jerk about it um because it's a tournament and i really should be like we needed to either talk about it or and the thing is the trains are moving around so i don't even know what it was supposed to be we should yeah. have declared it at the beginning of the game and i you know i give the feedback to doug afterwards you really need to have these trains on bases because it's so frustrating so the thing is by the time we got to the point where we had other problems we were both already like it was it was a frustrating table to play on yeah um so it was overall the terrain looked great it was fantastic i think i don't always think that doug puts enough stuff on the sides i really like putting stuff on the sides because otherwise it makes it really easy to just run the sides yeah. and just have no terrain in your way but overall i i felt like his tables were pretty good um even the ones that i originally thought were too bare ended up having enough stuff in the way and like stuff that was like gave cover and concealment so it wasn't really a big deal that it was a bare table because you still couldn't shoot stuff very easily yeah um, but that table was frustrating so then we get to turn two um he bulldozes charges asami and 
electroshocks and i do i forget that electroshock requires you to discard a power token and he didn't have any power tokens at that point because he'd use some yeah. pursuits and stuff so he stuns asami and lady yume and you know i made some real mistakes this game um i uh, i i forgot that the peacekeeper had hard to wound so i like committed a couple of jorogumo to it and then was like oh wait why am i committing jorogumo to stuff that's hard to wound? like that's pointless. <laughs> like and armor two and soulstone cash so you know i'm not gonna kill it it's just gonna kill yeah. Jorogumo and feed the soulstone beast but um anyway he so he does that so then i'm like okay well maybe i can kill hoffman so lady you may double injures him I put a bunch of two, four, six, and three, four, sixes into him. He spams soul stones and he ends up on two health. We go to the next turn. He wins initiative because he has some pass tokens because he had, you know, I had a lot of models in my crew. He goes with Hoffman and he goes to Electroshock again. And I'm like, wait, don't you need to like, because I have played against Joss before. Like Andrews, our local Arcanist player, he doesn't play that much and he doesn't play, uh, he doesn't play like super hardcore lists. So I have played him against him a few times and he was like, no. And he hands me the card. I'm like, yeah, you do. (laughs) and so at this point i'm like okay wait a minute i just played the whole last turn around an early asami lady yume stun like this game is probably not valid but you know whatever okay so i i take i I get say i just need i just need one minute or like two minutes to like catch my breath i go over i catch my breath i i i'm stressed about it i'm like whatever um and i kind of my feeling is that he didn't seem to know his crew that well and was making a lot of things like kind of mistakes, you know, we would catch them, but then by the third turn and the sixth like thing that I'm having to remind him or he's catching it right before he does it. I'm kind of like, okay, not super thrilled by this. Well, we go, he, he finishes his Hoffman activation. He kills Lady Yume. He, you know, bulldozes through a bunch of things, damages Asami. (laughs) I'm looking at the board. I'm like, I'm going to get a few points, but um, I should have taken, um i took outflank because i thought that he wouldn't have enough models to contest it but of course he only has to contest one side yeah. Howard did that i didn't put two tango on that side because i just didn't quite read the board right so then i could have put both tengu there and put them far enough apart that he had to choose which one he was going to kill and i could have gotten outflank that way and then i but i really just should have taken hidden martyrs because i knew he was going to kill the jorogumo and yeah. then i took i got hidden martyrs research mission so i use i used a pylon marker a turf war marker and a scheme marker so then a tengu scores research mission flips the turf and gets me hidden martyrs all at the same time i think i would have been really good but i just kind of misread it and so at this point, after that, I'm like, okay, you're definitely going to win at this point because I misread the board, chose the wrong schemes, and didn't quite play it right. I also could have, uh, I should have stayed a little bit behind the forest because it would have choke pointed him. And I'm like, you know, honestly, I just don't want to play the rest of this game out. I don't think that it's a valid game. I think that Hoffman could have died if I'd had one more AP on Asami and, you know, Lady Yume would have had her bonus action, um, which could do a number of, you know, can do, do a number of things, not with least of which is heal her whenever he fails yeah. a willpower duel. Um, so she might not have died and he's kind of so we call the jet we call doug over and he wants the eight oak concession i'm like oof, that's region man <laughs> like i don't think that's appropriate you know i just don't want to play this because i'm definitely going to lose i'm just going to get stomped my shit stomped in and i'm getting to get my shit stomped in because you didn't play the rules right like i don't yeah. want to you know i'd rather have another half hour to like chill out and let this go before my next game so he really didn't agree but doug kind of was like yeah you know you really did 
you know, it's both, it's up to both of you to keep the game state. But on the other hand, like you really did make this mistake and he eventually grudgingly agreed to a four, two victory. And I was like, no, oh, whatever. I don't even care. I'm not here to like prove my dominance over everybody. I'm just here to see how good I am, play some clean games. And if it's not a clean game, I don't even care about it. It's like, whatever, you know? Yeah. And well, I think it's interesting <laughs> though, because I don't know about you Dixon, um, but when I look at, because I, I make mistakes all the time. I mean, it, it's not like I make them like every activation, but there are some times where I play an ability wrong just because I either haven't fully read it or I, I, it just, it happens. And I don't think that's kind of something to really get pissed about. But when it, when I get caught in it, so if I, especially a tournament where it, it, it means something, right? I mean, we're here to try and compete and do the best we can. I, in an instance like that, I think I would do something where if I, it depends, there's been times where it's like, okay, well, I couldn't have done this. So go ahead and put two health back on there. Or you want to know what I couldn't have pushed you there. So let's just say I'm actually back there or you're there and just try to make it the fairest board state after that. Um, just because, I mean, it, you just, mistakes happen. And I think in good faith, you just want to try to make up for it the best you can to be like, okay, we can't totally reset the board, but let me give you this. So it kind of makes it a little bit more in your favor. The thing is though, like, that's the thing is in this case, basically an entire turn had gone by where I was playing around my master and an eight stone model being stunned and injured. And the only like if he'd been like you know what how about this we just we take we put Yume back on the board Hoffman dies and we play the rest of the game I probably would have been like okay because I think that is the only the only thing like that's the only thing that could have happened that would have resulted in a game state where where I was having a game worth playing worth my time to play yeah. but because we forgot it so long for so long and because he'd got so much work done while it was happening it you know anyway i mean sure if it had been more even board state i might have just been like i i expect you to concede because that's such a major mistake but the reality is i did misread the board and i don't have that much those that many reps into arcanist because we don't have a local arcanist player yeah. so i was kind of like you know what it's cool you know i made mistakes i was probably going to lose this game anyway like statistically speaking i'm probably not going to kill hoffman with a single two four five you know or yeah. maybe i mean lady you did double ping plus injured maybe i would have gone for the two three six in the hopes of getting the puncture off but like statistically speaking with stones hoffman probably doesn't die yeah I so mean, that's kind of what I, I felt comfortable with it if i was probably going to try to make that fair i i don't know if i'd bring the other model back but maybe i'd be like okay let's just say hoffman probably would have died there and i'll take him off the board you know, I might have played it out if he'd done that. I, that's probably that's, what I would have done. I wouldn't have given you your model back because it's tough to say if they still had. Well, Hoffman, killed, Hoffman had just killed the model. Yeah. The Hoffman <laughs> that didn't exist had just killed the model. Right. The Hoffman that we're removing the board is the one that just killed Lady Yume. Okay. Right. So I, I probably wouldn't have done that. I probably would have just let you keep the model and just taken Hoffman off if it was me. Which, I mean, I think that would have been fair. You know, I understand, like, you know, like some people are just really like, they're just super focused on the win. He was yeah, I mean, like, super focused on the win. And I, hey, was I try like, to win all the time. It doesn't mean I do. <laughs> right. I just kind of, I mean, I agree with you. I think. But, if, when, I, but it, when I fuck up, I feel bad about it. Right. Because I'm like, that's, I mean, granted it, it's up to both players to be like, oh, this is the way it actually plays. But if, if in good faith, if I mess up, I'm going to try to do something to kind of fix it. So we both can kind of move forward feeling good because 
I, I would rather have a good experience in the game. And actually, that's most of the time when I rage quit. It's not because I, I'm pissed I'm losing. It's pissed because I don't feel like I'm giving the player a good game. And if I keep playing, I know I'm going to give them a worse game. And that's <laughs> right. usually when I that's usually when I rage quit because I'm just like, I don't I'm not having fun. I'm going to make this even more miserable for you because I'm going to be bitching and moaning the whole time. So absolutely. You know, if I'm in his position, I there's a good chance I just concede because it's like, well, can't fix that. Sorry, man. Let's just call it a game. I don't know. But I don't think like I understand why he wouldn't want to do that. And I don't feel salty about it now. I'm just like, yeah. And I think, uh, I don't know, Dixon, how have you kind of, have you come across it where there's been like a big fuck up like that? I mean, I don't know how you, when you've played a game like that, how you kind of go back from it. I'm pretty sure it has. I can't remember examples, but I'm pretty sure both I've done it and opponents have done it. I mean, I played yeah, everybody for so does long. It. Yeah, that's yeah. my point. Like, uh, I know that what I would like to happen now as the Dixon now is if I did it, somebody should call me on my BS and then I should just like, okay, you, you're right. And then you have to do the favor on the opponent on that sense. Because it seems like I made the mistake that not only did it favor me greatly, but it also put me in a winning position. And that doesn't seem fair. I, I think that, and that's what I was saying, where if we're going to continue the game, I feel like there has to be something, especially if it puts you in the winning position and like in a super favorable, and it, it only happened because the one ability was read wrong or played wrong, that I think you have to... I, I do think there is something where you can concede, but I would rather focus on, okay, we've, I fucked up, we fucked up for not catching it. Right. Let's go ahead and make the game a fairer experience and let me kind of do this to kind of do a good faith action and try to get a good game out of it at least. Yeah, dude, we only had half an hour left. It was the beginning. It was the first activation of turn three. So obviously we weren't playing very fast. Yeah. And like that, I mean, like when you play an entire turn around your master with lots of triggers being and stunned, your enforcer yeah. with lots of triggers being stunned and injured, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what you, I don't know what you really, how, you can't really go back. Like, like, cause he stunned them early in the turn. He stunned them like maybe second activation turn two. Yeah. So it was like, Nah, this this game is you know that's in the shitter, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. yeah I mean, and honestly, if it wasn't a tournament, you, you're probably just saying to your buddy, "Okay, we got to rack this." Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Hopefully, they, hopefully they learn from it, though. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he he just seemed focused on. I don't know. He he. I think I don't know. I don't think he. Uh, he just seemed focused on wanting me to play the rest of the game, and I was like, "No, I'm not gonna play the rest of this game, man. It doesn't mean anything to me." Yeah, All I right. will say and. I, w I will say it is funny because when I quit at the Captain Con round, I told I told my opponent, I was like, you can put whatever you want on the score sheet. I don't care. Um, and he was looking at it. He asked uh, he asked Jesse, he's like, so should I put this as like 8-0? He's like, I don't think that's fair to the rest of the tournament. Let's go right, ahead and figure right. out what it would have been. <laughs> yeah. Like he knew the answer. He just wanted permission. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, can uh, I please put in that I just like screwed over everybody else in the tournament? It's <laughs> like, one of the problems with Diff. Yeah. So, and I, I don't know if you're looking at it, then I would love for you to be an advocate of the old, let's try to put a clock in Malifaux crew. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I played War Machine a bunch and I like yes, Death Clocks. You're on board then. Yeah, I think the, the problem with Death Clocks and Malifaux is that it's, there's like a lot of like, do you cheat? 
<clears throat> so it's it's tricky because there's a lot of like going back and forth. Whereas in War Machine, it's more like I take most of my turn and then you take most of your I, turn. I will tell you that if I come from and Dixon does as well, Guild Ball, which Guild Ball has a lot of decision points as well. Jesus <laughs> and it, it does take practice because basically you go, okay, I'm going to attack you. Let's flip. Okay, we flip. And then you go, okay, I'm winning by this. Are you going to cheat? And if they're kind of start with the, uh, you know, you kind of put the clock on them. Right. Um, it, it was the same thing in Guild Ball when they would counterattack. You go, I'm going to attack you. You doing anything? Clock over to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's something that I would like to try. And I'm one of those people who I tend to not like, I'm not usually hard in favor of against things until I've tried it a, a number of times. I haven't tried it with a death clock because I just haven't had money to buy so a chess clock. I, but I don't I like, like the it. death clock. Uh, the one that, and Dixon, have you tried the clock that they've started using on Vassal? I tried um it just doesn't quite work in no, i need that physical it's too much of a pain to click things that is exactly what i was gonna say like oh uh, so you're looking they, at it was kind of weird without the motion of going through it no no no. like if they allowed me to have a shortcut on my keyboard then it would be uh -huh. fine but they it doesn't have one like i looked and looked okay. and i couldn't find one so yeah unless it's hidden somewhere that in um uh whatchamacallit the constant click click off click click off because there's one point in every single match that I, I know for a fact that it's, it's a problem, which is when we both have to flip cards, where's the clock pointed at? Is it me or is it your opponent? You see, what oh, I'm like during initiative and stuff? During any attack flip. I'm attacking. I mean, on the, atta we flip yeah, it's on, on the attack attacker. flip, it's on the, yeah, it's on the attacker until yeah, so there's the a decision opponent. point. Yeah, you're saying that, but the opponent can actually say, like, wait a second, can I like stone? And then at that point, you have to like flip it back, and then yeah, they're right. like, all right, I'm going to stone, and then they yeah. flip it if back. If there's to you. if there's ever a pause, if it's your activation and it feels like there's a pause because your opponent's doing something, right. you put the clock on them. I, right. I understand that logic. I, I, I know. But oh, what about initiative? What about end phase stuff? Yeah, because you know what happens? One second. You know what happens when you attack? And, and I know you're going to say, oh, it's on your opponent, but like you click on it. It goes back to your opponent. Your opponent finally makes a decision, and he forgets to click back. You forget that that it's supposed to be on your clock, and you continue. His to problem. Do. He's it's responsible. Exactly, for his no, but I know, but that's kind of a, that's actually a well, problem because it, it affects the community. And I, I I will also say Dixon that I feel like a clock is a better tactile uh, instrument. Meaning, like if it's yes. in person and you're actually hitting it, I think yes. it's better. One hundred percent. So it's just a matter of something. practice. It is, but Vassal's stupid anyways. So. <laughs> I mean, Vassal, if they give it to me and put it on, like, I don't know, Q or U, I'm happy. Or yeah. But I did like the one they were using in Vassal. So to kind of answer a couple of questions. Um, so it, it's not necessarily a death clock. Once you run out of time, you're run, you basically run out of offensive activations, meaning, like, you're no longer activating anymore, but your opponent can still use their time to activate models. You can still flip defensively. Um, you can still score if it's on the board. And I think that's a great way to um, use a clock where it's not just auto lose when you run out of time. Um, and as far as the initiative phase, I'd have to look at the PDF again, but I believe the initiative phase, I can't remember. You just have to pause it because it's really no. Yeah, I don't think, time. I don't, I think it's shared time where it's just paused until you figure out initiative. Yeah. It's the only it time. That and, yeah. and um, at the end of the turn, uh, you have to be careful because you have to like 
all right, I'm going to click. I'm going to do all of my, at the end of the turn, movements. Like, there's a lot of points in the game that you have to constantly be aware of the clock. So, yeah. so yeah, I think I think yeah. that is a better solution than only getting to turn two or three. Oh, yeah. Right. That's why I, I had this actually big argument with my ride. We were driving home, and he, he was like, it's just the way it is. It's, you know, you just like, socially. I don't, I don't accept that. Accept it. And I don't either. I'm like, I would rather, like, I would just not play in tournaments. If that was really, if I really thought it was going to be like every three turns, every tournament, I'm, I'm just not going to tournaments because you're not even playing a game at that point. Yeah. And you're, you're planning around turn three because that's the reality. You're playing crews that are good at turn three because that's the reality. And like, it's like you're either you're not playing the game, you're just playing some weird, you know, and, and the scoring is totally different because you know, there's a lot of things you can't reasonably score. Bait and switch becomes way better because who who the hell has time to put eight points in their deployment zone by turn three? Like, I don't know. I just don't. I'm I definitely think that we need a real consequence. So I was thinking I want to do I think first tiebreaker should be for, for number of rounds overall played and then judges should feel free like if a newer player or somebody is found to be slow playing you just award the their opponent uh five turns but i think it should be first tiebreaker should be overall rounds played with the expectation that everybody's going to play five rounds in every game and then second tiebreaker becomes stiff yeah yeah and i mean like i said i just think that the a clock it, it might seem overwhelming at first but like I said, War Machine has a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Guild Ball definitely had a lot going on. And it's just, it it's really good for your opponent to see how much time they are wasting. Like, I'm all yeah. for the clock, you, by the way. You, I'm guys, not... you, you guys can attest to this. When you, I don't know about you, but when I played War Machine and started playing Guild Ball, when I look at my clock and I'm like, holy shit, I've been sitting here for like five minutes. What am I doing? I mean, yes. that gets you moving. Yes. Whereas if yeah. you don't have that, you're just you're probably sitting there 10, 15 minutes in the can just trying to figure out what the fuck you're doing. Yep. The other thing I really like about it is that Malifaux is a game where the decision tree is enormous. And when you're playing at that level that would be required, the speed that would be required to finish a five-turn game in like three hours, like I think two and a half is too short, honestly. But um, you're a lot more likely to make mistakes. It makes the tournament experience a lot more dynamic and exciting because it's, it's not as much about, well, this one player has like a billion reps and is going to win every game because he knows everything. I mean, that is still probably going to happen, but there's a lot more room for a dark horse to be like, to surprise them with something. Maybe they put something a little bit out of position because you just don't have the time to micro analyze every situation yeah, a, i really like that i think that's what tournament plays all about is not only can you do it but can you do it fast yeah there's a venn diagram basically for like a lot of the actions that i do like you go okay so if x do y if y do like that there's a lot of players that i'm pretty sure do the exact same thing and i just find it hilarious that by you saying dark horse what i'm imagining is somebody that the thing that they put in the middle of the table does not fit any of the questions <laughs> in there so you're like if so instead of if x do y it would be like player did z what do you do well, uh, and that is the thing right? <laughs> there are sometimes where people get get kind of surprised by something and they have to try and find a solution mm -hmm. and they spend 10 15 minutes just trying to dig their way out of it and I mean, you're bogarting time there. It's it's just it's right. one of those things where, yeah, you and and that's the great thing about a clock too, because there were turns, especially in War Machine, where it was your feet turn, and you knew that turn was going to take more time. 
but you could plan accordingly. You could be like, okay, this turn's going to take me, you know, five, 10 more minutes just because of everything going on. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, my, my turn one Lynch, like I can play a Lynch, a Lynch turn one, like Lynch two turn one. And like, I don't know, probably, I mean, maybe if I was really going for it, 10, 15 minutes, because it's so much of like, I know what I'm doing. Like, okay, I'm going to charge. I rig, you know, I rig the deck. I put the crow on. Okay. I charge, I get the crow, flip three cards. Okay. I'm going to discard one, draw two. Okay. I hit him again. I cheat the crow. You know, it's like, you get so formulaic with, I, I'm trying I'm to get through getting, my turn one in six minutes. Like I, I, I'm six trying minutes, to, man, maybe I wonder if I could do that. Well, I play a lot of, I play pretty, I, I don't like control crews as much. So I'm more setting up and getting ready to go in turn two swinging. Um, so that's kind of my play style. So turn one, I'm really like, I'm going to do Ma's thing. I'm going to horrible holler set up. Blah, 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 okay, now go. And yeah. literally I'm turn one doesn't take me more than eight minutes, probably tops. What I like about that though, is that if you, if you're at that level of proficiency where you know where you need to go, you know what their threat ranges are, you're comfortable just putting it out there and trusting that you're going to do it right. Then it's fine for you to take a, a 30 minute, 40 minute turn two, if that's what you need to do. Maybe they well, do that's what I'm saying. Expect. When you play on a clock, yeah, it yeah. gets you used to that because there are turns where I'm like, okay, I need to take a minute. This is an important activation. I know it's going to cost me five minutes on my clock extra, but I need to sit here and figure it out for a second. Right. As opposed to now where you're just like, well, you're just, you know, you're just munching on the time, you know, yeah. you're just munching all the time up and you really don't lose much for it. Because I'm telling you, there were a couple of games in the Captain Con where players didn't get out of turn two. Right. And that's really not acceptable. If you're playing at a high level tournament, I mean, you know, whatever, Ex not acceptable. Like I'm somebody's dad or something, but like, let's just be real here. I don't think it's you the newer players that aren't getting out of turn two either. Right. I, yeah, I think the newer players are, are doing stuff. Yeah. I'm saying I mean, you need to respect your opponent and you need to, you both need to be accountable for going fast. And we need a system that punishes people who don't. Yeah. And I, I know people don't like that. They're like, well, clock shouldn't, it's like, no, it's like if somebody's slow playing in a tournament, now this isn't casual play. But in a tournament, if you're playing slower, that should be that should come into the score somehow. You should be punished for wasting more time not doing shit. Well, that's why I like turns played as first tiebreaker because I really think that then then you can bring the judge over. You can be like, I think my opponent's slow playing. Judge can stand there and watch, and if they're slow playing, you know, at the end of the game, you go like, you know what, you get your five turns because your opponent slow played you, and it it doesn't directly reward you, but it does mean if you don't get those turns in, you're not you're probably not going to podium because somebody's going to play it fast enough and play it well. Yeah, I, I effectively I did finish all of my games effectively. I did rage quit the one, but there was plenty of time <laughs> to finish turn five. And then we could have finished turn five, but they had a rule where it was like, oh, don't finish or don't start another turn if there's only 15 left. And we both only had two models. So it's like I mean, silly. Yeah. Turn five, you could totally do in 10 minutes, you know, yeah, if, you don't, yeah. if it's not a crazy one. Yeah. So, I mean, effectively, I would have finished all my rounds. But like I said, I'm a little more aggressive and the crews I play, I play Maw and Zip a shit ton. So I'm pretty comfortable running both of those. Well, I think that's kind of what ha ends up happening in tournaments is you don't have to play fast and you don't have to play aggressive crews. So you see stuff like people who don't totally know what they're doing with Cadmus. And I think that if the expectation was enforced that you'd get all your turns done, you'd see a lot more aggressive play, which I think is fun. Aggressive play is exciting. It's not always what I want to see, but like those like high risk, high reward crews that go fast, live, you know, they live fast, die hard. Well, like that's I, an exciting play style. I love because I, I it, what game was it, man? It was one game where i think it might have been the zip mirror match i was playing on friday but he you could tell he was playing a little more cautiously and i did a fly with me and i put a pretty squishy not maybe it wasn't quite squishy but i put a model out there like in the middle of the board 
And I wanted him to engage with it. I'm like, I don't mind if I lose this model, but I want you to come up and that way I'm going to start swinging on you. Right. And it were, and he did, and he, he did kill the model, but it started in, in my opinion, you got to give a little to get a little when it comes to action. <laughs> yeah. So I can put a piece up there. I don't mind losing. And I'm like, that's fine. Cause now I'm going to come into you. That's just a little peak play style, though. Dixon knows a little bit about it. We got some games. No, I mean, I think it's, I think it's great, and I think one of the things that when you have too much time, that control style of I'm just gonna, I'm gonna play into your aggression is a lot stronger when your opponent, like when you're gonna end the game early, Uh, because or when you have unlimited time to tank, and then you're going to live to to. Yeah. Last thing, last thing I want to say, and then we'll wrap this thing up, but. Uh, the the thing I cannot stand, and I hate this when I hear it, and if if you're listening and you have said this, I don't care. You can go fuck yourself. When people say, well, I guess we can't start another turn. It's like, no, fuck that. Let's go. Come on. Let's get this shit going. Right. It's like, I would rather us stop in the middle of the turn because they say don't activate another model or finish your activation. I hate it when people are like, well, I guess we got to stop. It's like, no, you're just saying that because you want to stall out and get your points right now. Let's go. Right. Yeah, and I think I just, I really looking for that respect of like, I'm going to try to, even if it makes me lose, I'm going to try to see this game through to its end because that's yeah. what the game is about. Like winning a game I don't deserve to win. There's no pride in that to me. That's just how I see it. Like I, I would rather lose a game honestly than win a game because of a technicality. Yeah, we're all pushing plastic dolls around. I mean, yeah, let's, exactly. let's, let's get let's get through this damn thing. Where's your warrior spirit? <laughs> I'm no coward. Let's go. Flip cards. Flip tables. We'll see y'all next time.